in this corner with the Brian Campbell. This is the professional wrestling edition. Now me, I am handsome Nick Costos. And not only am I handsome, but I'm also exceptionally well-dressed. Actually, not at the moment. I'm kind of schlepping here, and uh, I got like a gray, like a zip-up hoodie on. It's I think I got it for like 15 bucks at H&M. It is the one piece of low-rent clothing in my entire wardrobe, but that's what I'm rolling with for my return to end this corner. It is great to be back, as always, and I encourage all of you to not just watch me on CBS Sports HQ, because the more you watch, the better it is for Handsome Nick. The more money in Handsome Nick's bank account, the more followers Handsome Nick gets on Twitter, and more importantly, the more women that follow him on Instagram, at the Costos. Ladies, please follow me on Instagram, at the Costos. And don't be afraid to slide on into those DMs, because as you know, I am a petty, pathetic, insecure little man. Needs your messages and validation to get through the day. And as always, I am joined by my tag team partners. First up, he's always right. He's never wrong. Don't believe him? Just ask him. He'll be the first one to tell you. He is our guy. He is Mr. Negativity. He hates everyone <laughs> and everything except for the Florida Gators. He is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. And Ronda Rousey. Hey, now. To be fair, I, I also love Ronda Rousey. How could you not love Ronda Rousey? Well, maybe we don't love everything about Ronda Rousey. More on that coming up. And as always, I am joined by the man whose name is on the marquee. Oh, come on. He is the icon. Let's go. He is the showstopper. Bring it. He is the main event. My man. He's the whole effing show. One time. He's the bod that runs the pod. Stay hyped. He's the mast that guides the cast. Here we go. You know his name, damn it. He is the Brian Campbell. Yeah. DC, tell them what's on the podcast. Well, Nick, fine listeners, you're going to want to do yourselves a favor and get some of this. WWE may have mailed it in with another vanilla week of booking, but that won't stop the ITC from getting you to feel exactly what it is that I am feeling this week. Feel that! Yes, Daniel Bryan, right in the damn field spot. Talk to me about it. That's what I'm talking about. And this week, we will be talking to you about all things all in. We'll be answering your DM slides, along with an in-depth discussion about the booking of Roman Reigns and holy balls. We also have some bonus audio with WWE Hall of Famer Mean Gene Okerlund on his new Mountain Dew Kickstart commercial with Kevin Hart and whether he believes Hulk Hogan there's a second chance with WWE. I mean, we got Mean Gene talking NWO, giving us the inside story on his most famous sound drops often heard on this show. Look at all of this crap in this ring. We got one heck of a show brought to you and underwritten by the performance enhancing audio. Hey, we also have the return of South Florida's most eligible bachelor. Hello, ladies. Oh, yeah. A man who would love to slide into the DMs of every single one of our female listeners. CBS Sports HQ's own nasty Nick Costos. Um, yeah, the product's really bad, isn't it? Like, WWE's not in a good place right now. And and I I was talking to Silver King in the office yesterday on a Tuesday as we taped this on Wednesday. Like, you guys have to sit and watch it live 
Like, thank God, like, I'm at work at CBS Sports HQ until midnight, 1 in the morning. I get to go home and watch it on DVR and fast forward through all the crap I don't want to watch. You guys have got to watch it live. I mean, when WWE is rolling, it's a pleasure to sit there and watch for three hours on a Monday, two hours on a Tuesday. But when it's bad like it is now, and they're mailing it in, and you get the shows that they're taping out of the country, I mean, it is just brutal. These shows are terrible and not even like terrible in the way that like WCW used to be terrible, like so bad it's good. It's so bad it's bad. I mean, it is absolutely positively atrocious. It, it sucks right now. What a load of crap! Uh, you're, you're damn right. Nick Costos is back. We just plugged him right in. It is not a great time. Nick, it's that post-WrestleMania hangover, but it almost feels worse. Silver King and I went into it deep last week. Love to hear you back. Your energy, your take on it. And Nick, we only have you for a short period of time, so we're not even going to jump right into the main event like we normally do. We want to book the damn territory and examine one part of WWE that really is so unexplainably bad right now. That really is so what the hell is going on right here. And that's the booking, the handling of Roman Reigns. I don't know how in-depthly close you are to the product right now. And you can tell us. But where are you at in terms of where WWE is at with the big dog? Now, I I'm not going to lie to you guys and tell you that I've been watching every minute of every show. Because quite frankly, I haven't. And it's not because I don't have time. Like, I have the time if I want to do it. Like, I have a couple of days off. I could get home and watch on DVR. I don't want to watch it because it's awful. And, and look, you know, we went through this last year, guys. I remember Silver King. We talked about it last year. They had that stretch when we came on and we annihilated the product for the first, like, 40 minutes of the show last year because it was so freaking bad. I mean, I think that this right now, this period after WrestleMania— could be the worst period that WWE has ever had post-WrestleMania. Wow, wow. Starting with, the, well, the greatest Royal Rumble was a total disaster. It was a joke of a show. And 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 really, I think the reason why WWE is so bad, because look, you can look at some of the mid-card stuff and say, well, this isn't great, this isn't great. Maybe some of the mid-card stuff you like, maybe some of it you don't like. But if the top of the card is good and is getting you juiced, you can almost look past some of the other crap, right? Where if you get a great main event of a show and it leaves you uh, satisfied with a smile on your face, you, you tend to look at that show through a different prism. Instead, what they're doing at the top of the card is so inexplicably dumb at this point that it kills everything. And it honestly is killing it for me as a viewer. And Brian, what you were alluding to is Roman Reigns. Like, look. Big dog. He came, yeah, the big dog. He came on, yeah, yeah, big dog. He came on our show last year. Was it last year? Last calendar year? Yeah, it was. It was last year right? and and this year also, yeah. Yeah, so look, we love Roman Reigns. He seems like a great dude. He's a great interview. He's an exceptional talent. He's a great worker. He's got a lot of charisma. It's actually not his fault what's going on here. So I don't want the message to be confused as it concerns Roman Reigns. The problem, guys, is how they've been booking him here for the last three years. And, you know, we did the post-WrestleMania show. And Brian and I were simpatico on this. Silver King, if I remember correctly, you disagreed. Where we kind of liked what happened in the main event of WrestleMania, right? The big swerve with Lesnar with, uh, with going over. We were excited what it was going to lead to. But instead, it's actually gotten worse. Like, I didn't think it was possible for it to get worse. And it not only has it gotten worse... But it's continuing to get worse. And it's almost like Vince has taken this as a challenge upon himself. How can I make this worse each and every week? Oh, I know. 
Let's have Roman Reigns against Jinder Mahal at a pay-per-view in Chicago. Like, that's going to go well. I am praying that somehow this is some sort of epic troll job that's going to lead to Roman turning heel. But how can you have that confidence now three years into this grand Roman Reigns experiment, which is so clearly failing? So, you guys want to talk book the damn territory? Nick Costos is going to book the damn territory right now. And you know what it's going to be? <laughs> Masterpiece Theater. Are you ready for it? And this is not calculus, right? I'm not trying to crack a complex mathematical theorem. I'm not trying to cure disease. I'm not trying to end world hunger or, or get world peace together. This is not difficult. Do you know how you save WWE and you save Roman Reigns? You turn Roman Reigns heel. And the story is simple. Roman hates the crowd because the crowd hates him. He can say, I came out. I didn't take a day off. I gave you Everything that you wanted. I was here every night. I'm busting my ass putting on great matches for you guys. And you never cheered me. And there's no reason for you not to cheer me. Now, the reason is, is because he's booked poorly. It's not his fault. But he doesn't have to say that. He could say, I hate you because you hate me. And you derailed all the plans and the aspirations that I had in this company. And then what you do is you feed him every baby face for the next 10 months. And he goes over all of them, including... Daniel Bryan. Yes. And maybe, and maybe you do that in the main event of Survivor Series. And again, it's not face Roman Reigns going over Daniel Bryan. It's heel, screw you, it's heat Roman seeking Reigns. missile. And maybe you got this guy by his side saying this to Vince. Screw you! Screw you! I mean, you just summed it up. The way to fix it right now is the heel turn. And last week we had a small discussion on this where I said, look, the heel turn at this point is the only way to fix it. But this is no longer a debate of why don't they just turn him heel? That's the only way to fix it. Because be honest for a second here, Nick. Last year, okay, Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman, one of the feuds of 2017, that was still stubborn Vince refusing to turn Roman heel. But you want to know why that stretch of Roman's run worked and why we weren't on this podcast every week going, what the heck are they doing? Because even though he was still babyface Roman, he was edgy babyface Roman. He had an identity. He had a character, Nick. He was... Tr tried to vehicular manslaughter Braun Strowman. That's a heel move, but at least he had a, a edge to him. Right now, I think their problem over the last three, four, five months is they can't pick a direction. One week, it's sympathetic Roman Reigns, which, by the way, it's not going to work. You're not going to draw sympathy from us. You're not going to pin Roman against you, Vince, because we're against both of you right now. It's not going to work. So it's got to be one or the other. Last year, it kind of did work, right? When they picked edgy babyface Roman, it did work. Right now, well, it changes every week. One week, he goes into Gorilla and gets in Vince's face during the Brock feud, and it's like, yes, this works. But you know what happens after that? It's back to sympathetic. By the way, that didn't, that, by the way, that didn't work. It worked better yeah, than anything else. You can't have it both ways, Nick. If they picked one, we wouldn't be having this conversation right well, now. PC, the biggest problem, and I know Nick has a little bit more of his booking the damn territory that he needs to finish, so I'm going to let him do that. But the biggest issue they had was this. Despite the crowd not buying into the Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns match at WrestleMania, Vince changing his mind and not going with the finish and finally giving the championship to a guy who's there every night and is, let him get booed. It doesn't matter. Turn him after the fact if you need to or change the direction of your storylines going forward. The crowd at least would have accepted the title change. They might have booed, but the crowd was ready for it to happen. They were accepted. Uh, they, the reason they were booing is because they knew the finish, right? 
That's all it was. Yeah, but they, that was title. fine with the way and, they did it because the greatest Royal Rumble gave them storyline advancement that they didn't use. The way the cage fell and Brock may have hit first, but we don't know for oh, sure. No, they forget the story. It shouldn't have ended like that. For, but the, the point is, they had advanced. something. It should, it should have ended. It they, should have ended, and Brock Lesnar, correct, and Brock Lesnar should have left the company at that point, or at least you know taken a sabbatical. Okay, but Nick. I know you have more to your booking the damn territory. BC cut you off a little bit. And I think wow, what's over. No, no, it's okay. No, no. And, and when you finish it, I think that's the jumping off point for at least what I know. I want to say about Roman Reigns going forward. Okay. So, um, wow, this guy, so this guy, I, silver King, just, just taking liberty. This is my show. My well, show. I got a, I got, no, I, I got a full preview of Nick's take. So I, I know where he was going. Oh, that's you, you gave you a glimpse of the DMS. All right. All right. Go for it, Nick. Okay, so, so again, like, this is not complicated film at 11 stuff that I'm coming up with here. This is easy. So you put Roman Reigns over everybody with the exception of one baby face. That baby face is Seth Rollins. Ooh. Maybe you have him have a backstage running at SummerSlam, let's say. And they do a little tease and they plant that seed. Seth Rollins wins the Royal Rumble, your main event of WrestleMania 35. This is so easy. That, like, if they manage to screw this up, it will be a very impressive feat. The main event of WrestleMania 35 should be Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins should win and become the Universal Champion. Can we get a little of this? There's only a few things in life that are certain. Death, taxes, and Seth Rollins beats Roman Reigns every single time. I'm all in on that idea, Nick. I'm all in on that. And and that saves everything. It turns Roman into a heat-seeking missile. It continues the great arc of Seth Rollins becoming ascending to. Uh, he's up. He's if AJ Styles is, let's say AJ's a nine point eight. Rollins might be like a nine point six and a half or nine point seven at this point. Rollins is the star of the company right now because Styles is. I almost dropped an F bomb there. Is mired no, in this. You did drop it. You might no, want to pick that back up. You know, you just no. It was like it was the first syllable of the F. Well, bleep that out for me, guys. Well, because he's mired in this never-ending feud with Shinsuke Nakamura, which should be good and is somehow not good because of the way that they've managed to book it here. Rollins is the star of the company right now. Put Seth Rollins over Roman Reigns in the main event of WrestleMania 35. This is not hard, and everyone will love. Okay, how do you turn him? How do you turn him then? I don't know. How do you turn who? Roman, to get there. How do you turn him? He already explained that. He had a moment? Did you well, have well, a well, moment? No, like, no, but there, no, he's right, though. There has to be like a moment that happens. Like, he's got to beat someone up. Well, the question is, how do you get the title on Roman if Brock has it now? And Brock's not wrestling until SummerSlam. Money like, in the bank. Who? Money in the bank. Roman needs to get the last spot in Money in the Bank, and then he needs to— he'll be the biggest, he'll be the biggest heel in the company if he has the briefcase. And then he needs to cash in and get it. But I think oh, he needs to cash in, in, in on in like dastardly. No, yeah. but but I but I don't think that he needs to be the cowardly chicken. You know what heel? I think he's got to be like a really strong dominant heel and go over everybody clean. Well, no, because you could book it that way, and he could simply say, "Guys," I, or to the fans, "I tried doing it the right way, and the, the company wouldn't give me the chance because that's what that's the angle they're pushing right now, whether you like it or not." Okay. And you guys, you know, I, I tried to do it for you, be the, the hero you could look up to. I had to do what's best for business, what's best for Roman Reigns, and, and you know, cash it in a dastardly way. If he needs to do, do it that way. If Roman Reigns won money in the bank and dastardly and, like, cashed in on Brock Lesnar in, like, a really, like, cowardly way and then cut a vicious heel promo afterwards, like, beat up Paul Heyman, let's say, like, it would be so absolutely incredible. Now, the way that to really get, like, the... 
Unfortunately, Daniel Bryan's on SmackDown because that would be the ideal. Would be for him to yeah, but we can Daniel. we can we can have you know cross brand uh, inter inter uh, interluding inter. What's the word when you consummate? You you just you just you just you, you know you just you just bang right. Like I don't know what am I talking about right here. We can have that now. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I well I, I, this is like a regular Saturday night let for me, you. The, the hand gestures I was giving you over Skype, you, you, yeah, you've been not, in that those spot. Those are not attractive. Let, let me move this one step forward because I think as much of as the booking is important, Roman Reigns, the character has to change too. Because what we have right now is the only main eventer in WWE history who has never changed his character or advanced it, his look, his, his mannerisms, anything since he was introduced. Everyone else. Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, um, Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, there's been some progression in their character. And Roman Reigns literally is still the shield guy, except the plain black vest now has his logo on it. The vest needs to go. The baggy pants need to go. Put this guy in a suit, make him look cool. The, the, The wet, disgusting hair. Take oh, it. Come Stop on. wetting it up. You okay? got to get the lady. No, you got to no, keep you know, the you know ladies. The wet hair, women. The ladies. Hey, well, I got and one warm- second here. One second. Oh, you want to finish? Go ahead. I have one more thing. And more importantly than anything else, get rid of the Superman punch. Yes. If you just yes. take these little pieces off of Roman Reigns. What What's wrong left- with the Superman punch? It's for kids. Oh, God, it's, it's lame. It's, come on. It's got to go. It's the worst movie in WWE history. Got to go. It's it got to go. I, I got one the, the, the people's elbow was ridiculous. I mean, it's better. It's better. It's better than this. When he has I don't to, think the Superman punch He has is to crank bad. it up. He has to crank it up, and then he hits it on the canvas. It's pro it's- wrestling. It's theatrics. I don't have an issue. All right, hold it's on ridiculous. one second. All right, you hear that sound? Bonus DM slide from Adam X. Parsons. Nick, I want to throw this at you. Adam, a regular dropper of this show, drops in wait, on so us. Wait, so is that is that what's happening? We use the anonymous general manager sound. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Games. I love that. Fantastic. Love that. Yeah, it's an advancement since Nick's away. I received an email from the you anonymous should, general manager. You should you should listen to the show you used to be on every week. Oh, yeah, wow. Oh, wow. And, and, and look, here's the thing. I'll be quite honest with you guys. I don't listen to the show. I don't listen to the NFL podcast I used to be on. I don't listen to podcasts. I don't have time to, for this stuff. I got too much other stuff going on. No offense to you guys. You know I love you. It's all I'll good. listen to this because I'm on it. It's all good. You'll just repeat my Seth Rollins take I made a month ago. All good. I know. Wow. I knew what your <laughs> Seth Rollins take was because I, I pay attention. Wow, love where this is going <laughs> and right now. And by the way, your Seth Rollins take was that he's the best wrestler in the world, which was asinine, by the way. And that's not what oh, I Oh, yes! No. It's correct. Yes! Th- I can hear Jimmy. This is great. All right. Adam X. Parsons says, I've been hearing, I don't know wh- where he's been hearing this, whatever dirt sheets he's on. He says, authors of pain, there's a lot of rumbling going on that they will be Reigns' heel muscle. Nick, does that work uh, for you? No, because he doesn't need heel muscle. It's stupid. No. Yeah, it's Instagram rumor BS. I mean, that's it's not happening. And if someone is looking like Roman Reigns needs someone help, imagine Brock Lesnar having muscle. It's one thing to have a, a advocate. It's another thing to have two dudes that are bigger than you. One of the biggest dudes in the company. It's stupid. All right. All right. By by the way, Seth Seth Rollins can't lace Kazuchi Okada's boots. Just for the record, so to yes. say that he's the best wrestler in the world is re- flat out ridiculous. I should have saved the f bomb for that. It's effing ridiculous. I, I, I find it interesting you went with Okada there instead of Omega. Well, I think you could go with either one, but I mean, what Okada's done throughout this title reign is, and the match with Tanahashi just kind of blew my balls off, to be totally honest. It was it was awesome. None of you are on my level. Yes. Yeah, so, hey, Nick, uh, I want to close on Reigns by asking you this. You, you did lay yes. out a really solid booking the damn territory. Hey, WWE, wake up. It's not just turning him heel, but it's doing it in this manner. Although you didn't give me a, a moment. We're going to need a moment, but that's fine. You're right. How do they, if they stay stubborn, 
how can they make this work without going heel? Obviously, they can't be doing this every other week. They changed they changed the definition of his character because it's it's ruining him. It's we don't trust, we don't believe in him, we don't trust him, none of that. Outside of dramatically changing his character and look like Adam suggested, what do you do right now with edgy babyface Roman Reigns to make this work? Here's the problem. He's not edgy. He, there's no connection with the audience. Even when Cena w- was supposed to be the babyface and he would come out and get the massive heel reaction, he connected with the audience. He would come out and say, I know that there are some of you that boo me, and I know it and I hear it. And he would play up to it and he would smile. He, his character had layers. You felt connected to him, whether you cheered him or booed him, whether you hated him or whether you loved him, you could connect with John Cena. There's no connection with Roman Reigns because he comes out and he ignores the booze and he does his same routine every single week. What incentive is there for people to feel a connection with this guy? There is no connection with Roman Reigns in the audience. And that is the big difference between it because everyone likes to compare Reigns and Cena and say, okay, well, they did it with Cena. They never turned him heel, even though he got booed. There's a major difference. The difference is, is that John Cena connected with the audience and Roman Reigns does not. And there's no reason for the audience to connect with them because Roman Reigns pays no attention to the audience and he doesn't give a good promo or maybe he can and they're not letting him, but whatever the point is, it's not working. And here's how you can fix it. You can't. It sucks. And it's going to continue (laughs) to suck. And it's going to continue to get worse. And it's almost like, like I said, like it's almost like it's like Anchorman, right? When um, Baxter eats the wheel of cheese and Will Ferrell goes, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. It's reaching the <laughs> point where it's like, Vince, I'm not even mad anymore. Like, this is incredible what you're managing to do. How are you screwing this up? So how did you, I didn't do the backlash pod with you guys. Who sat in that room and said, you know what? We should have be the main event of this show in front of a smart crowd in the tri-state area, Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe. Who came up with that? Like Vince McMahon greenlit that. How could he think that that was a good idea? And like, not what just, the hell is going on oh, here, Nick, guys? And, we, and not just that, Nick, booking it over AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, one of the top matches WWE could possibly book, something they build as a dream match at WrestleMania that fans obviously, Smarks, wanted to main event. They don't have it main event that. So you're like, oh, they're going to redo it at Backlash. Okay, they're going to give them their just due. No. Double nutshot finish two matches before the main event. It's all well, and I think that's why they did it because that was, but yes, again, yes. But, no, but no, but that's, but the, but the way they did it was stupid though, and that match was dumb. So it's like, it's just one bad booking decision compounded on top of another one. It's freaking ludicrous. Yeah, Nick, like, if, it's, if Vince it's was so right here, bad. right now, he would tell you this. Just so you'll know, I don't succumb to public pressure. I could care less what the public wants because, quite frankly, I know what they want better than they do. So, yeah, you're going to have to yeah, deal yeah, with that. Yeah, 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 like, like when he gave Daniel Bryan the belt at WrestleMania 30 when the fans revolted and he succumbed to the pressure. Right. Okay. All right. All right. I, I love I love where we were going there with Reigns. I love how we pointed out the problems. I love the potential options for the future. I do agree with you. We've gone too far to know we've gone too far, if that makes any sense. We've gone too far. That's the bottom line on that. But, Nick, we have very short amount of time in your presence because you're such a busy man on CBS Sports HQ hosting multiple shows, hosting multiple women in your station for consummation that you're sitting in right now, recording this yeah. show right now. So I do want to ask you, though, about the one match in 2018 that has me the most friggin' excited. Oh, yeah. You're gonna see Kenny Omega beat the ever-living poop out of him. Omega Okada 4 
June 9th Dominion, which just sold out, by the way, two months in advance in Osaka. Wow, Nick. Last week, I yelled at the top of my lungs for about five minutes talking about that noise that's going on inside my body. <coughs> just thinking about this, do you feel what I'm feeling? I, I do. And you know, it's interesting, right? Um, let me ask you guys. Just give, give me a one-word answer without a reason. Silver King, who are you rooting for? So when you watch that match, who are you rooting for to win as a fan? Wow, that's tough. Um, I didn't really consider it from that standpoint. I think Okada. Like, if he's going to be Hulk Hogan, then make him Hulk Hogan. Campbell, who are you rooting for? Well, in that I'm, match I'm always rooting Okada? for... Uh, best bouts. I'm always rooting for best bouts, but uh, Kenny, all the way. No, no question about it. You know what's, you know what's funny? Kenny's my favorite wrestler overall. I'm rooting for Okada because, and, and for the same thing that Adam said, like if, if he's going to be Hogan, then he's got to be Hogan and they've got to drag it out even longer. And the matches are great. It's not like he's Hogan and the matches suck. Like the matches are all ridiculous. And and after he went over Tanahashi in that match and, um, if you watch the, the English language, which of course you would unless you speak Japanese, when he's rattling off all the opponents that he faces, whether you know it's Fale or Omega or Sonata or Evil, or it's all these different matches and all these different styles, and they're all incredible. The guy is he's the master right now. Him and Omega are the uh, they're putting forth masterpiece theater on a consistent basis. And I think I want Okada to win because I because when he loses, it's going to be such an unbelievable yes. epic thing. That I think I want Okada. I never thought I would say that, but I think I want Okada to beat Kenny, and I think that speaks to how brilliant the booking is of Okada, and it all makes sense. Right? Remember after um, Wrestle Kingdom when we got on and we were we did the Jericho Omega match. We we're pumped up about that, and I think all of us, all three of us, said that we thought Naito should have won. Right? Naito yes. should have gone over Okada. Yeah. It makes sense though now, right? Like it was the right move to have Okada win that match. So it's like they we are. Smart. We are smart. I know people don't like that term, but look, we're smart wrestling fans, right? They played us. They were right. We were wrong. Gato. Gato. Gato knows what we want better than what we want. Not Vince McMahon at this point, right? Um, so the match is going to be great. I mean, it's going to be spectacular because the two guys in it are both masters of the profession. Um, what kind I'm of match do you think? For Okada, the- and I can't wait for the match. It's going to be great. Jericho Naito will be great. Oh, yeah. And look, and, and look, if you're a, co- a consumer of wrestling, and let's be honest, you are, since you're listening to this podcast, ask yourself this question. Right now, without knowing the card for SummerSlam, without knowing what it is, if I made you choose between watching Dominion or SummerSlam, which would you choose? And answer the question honestly. Look yourself in the mirror and be honest with yourself. Because if you say SummerSlam, do you know what that makes you? A masochist. And look up the definition to that word if you don't know what it is, because that's what you are. And speaking of mailing Katie Vick. Oh, yeah. Uh, great. Well said. I I hope for an all time, uh, just a different match, an amazing different match from them. And can I get you to book the territory all the way to Wrestle Kingdom 13 next January? What's that? It's mean really event? tough because we don't know what's happening with Kenny, right? Because he's basically on like a year to year contract with New Japan. That's so why like he's got to win the belt. He either has to win the belt now or get it at Wrestle Kingdom, and we do well, that. Well, his long I think deal. his contracts are January, which is a, right yeah. after Wrestle Kingdom. Like so right before the Royal Rumble. No, always but after. I think either, always after. But but I'll jump in though. Right. I think not. I think Naito, one way or another, whenever it happens, has to be the one to end Okada's run. I don't think Omega needs to. It'd be fine if he does. It would totally work. But I don't think he needs to be the one. Well, now it's time that could actually happen because now Okada set the record, right, for most title defenses. So he's got it at this point. And it does make sense, like right before New Japan's coming to America again to put the strap on uh, uh, on Omega. 
So I think it would make, I'm not going to be upset if Omega wins. So, but I do agree that like, it's kind of now or never-ish for Omega to get the belt because you could have made the argument he should have won it last year, but they wanted to build the story with Okada and I absolutely love it. Um, my only kind of, not an issue with it, I guess, it feels a little hot-shotted, right? Because it kind of came out of nowhere, this Okada-Omega match. I, I Look, I love it. I'm not complaining about it. The match is going to be great. But like, it's like, oh, like we're doing like the fourth match in the greatest trilogy oh, of all time. You. And like, huh, no, it was just not like, haphazard the way it came about no haphazard my ass this is their summer slam this is their main event like where else is kenny gonna go they took well, the secondary belt off of him for a reason he's got to go back into this and i think this match sets up whatever happens at wrestle kingdom you have to remember new japan doesn't book like wwe they don't need reasons to make matches other than i'm challenging my manhood against you i think i can beat you i want to fight you and that's all the reasoning they need for a match like this and don't forget Kenny beat Okada head-to-head last time they fought. So he does have a reason to have a title match. In this I, I think here's why I think Omega's not going to win. Because I think just from, I don't know Kenny Omega personally, but just from hearing all the interviews following him on Twitter, just getting a general sense of like who he is as a performer, I would be stunned if at some point before Omega leaves New Japan, if he ever leaves New Japan, I think he will at some point, if he doesn't do a huge blowout match with Kota Ibushi and the Golden Lovers oh, yeah. break up. Because oh, yeah. I think that that's where the storyline's eventually going to go, right? Because they're going to do a match at some point, Omega oh, and they're gonna do. They're going to do a lot of things, Nick. They're going to do a big match. I can't wait for it. I think that there were a lot of undertones there in what you just said. I'm going to escape past all of them. So I think what's more likely than Omega winning is Omega losing, Abushi maybe somehow being involved in it. Because remember, Omega tweeted out that Abushi wants Abushi there at ringside with him. So Abushi's going to be there at ringside in lieu of the Young Bucks, who were there the first three times he faced Okada. And I feel like something's going to happen, and we will have, instead of Omega as the champion at Wrestle Kingdom 13, I think that we will get Omega and Abushi at Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom 13. Very, hey, I think that's more likely. If they go in that direction, like, yeah. Yeah, man. I'm all in. That would... If you want to have a seven-star match, if that's even possible, Dave Meltzer, that is your match right there. And, right, And name, you know what? Name two people on this earth who have a possibility to ever best what Kenny and Okada have done last year. It's Kenny and Koda. It, let's be honest. Let's, it's, that's it. I, Koda, Koda's not as good as Okada. I disagree with that. No, but in the, ring with Kenny, in the ring with Kenny, the way they would prepare for that match, it would be absolutely incredible. And it would also be, C and Nick, be the perfect way for Omega's NJPW run to end. So he'd have, he'd have to put Obushi over. Yeah. Oh, come on. And Obushi would stay in New Japan. Yep. Uh, either way, I think it's going to be great. Um, can I make? I have two more quick points. Uh, to we make don't and have. Come, I'll you can't. You can't steal from the buffet here. We got a lot of topics to cover. What, what do you got going on? Here? Oh, I'm. I'm I, well, no, I got. I got one more point I got to make on what we talked about before, and then I'm giving my take. You, okay, I'm going to peel back the curtain <laughs> in a second here on a text that Brian sent me earlier. Like I'm some kind of moron here. Okay, number one. Here's the problem with WWE overall. One of many. I guess here's the problem. There's a lot of problems. It's not the problem. It's a problem. They're making so much money. They don't care. They don't care. Yes. And I don't even know. Correct. If you listen to this show, you would have heard that debate last week. It was a good one. It was a really good <laughs> there one. There it is. I, I, what, do you, what do you want me to tell you? I don't, I don't listen to podcasts, period. It's just not something that I do. I don't consume the medium. Um, they're making so much money that they don't give a damn. Like, if they're getting like $100 billion from the Saudi government for the greatest Royal Rumble, they don't care that Roman Reigns is... They just don't... That's what's awful, and that's why I feel like, I don't know, like, NXT's so good, New Japan's so good, it's like, ah, it's it's disappointing. At some point, WWE's going to get good again, probably around SummerSlam, maybe no. not, hopefully it will be, I'll tell you. and we'll get sucked back into it, 
and then they'll let us down yet again. Between Dominion on June 9th, which, by the way, is a week before Money in the Bank, and all the way through to the end of the G1, which is the week after SummerSlam, WWE's going to be awesome, and we know this, man. It, this is the way it is. They are now competing against NJPW's biggest moments. So I text Brian earlier, and I say I want to make a point on Ronda Rousey. And he goes, well, don't, because we're going to talk about it. Yeah, we okay, are. here's what's going ha- to happen, buddy. I'm going to give my take. You guys aren't going to react, and then you guys are going to talk about yeah, it. So that way everybody wins. Here's my take on it, watching Raw on Monday. That felt like that thing from the upfront when they announced the Rousey-Nia Jackson. No match. idea what you're talking it about. Felt like, it felt like I was watching an episode of Total Divas. It was so poor. I thought so you were talking about John act- Cena on the Today Show. That so, was it. That was a, that was Total Divas right there. That was an extension. It was so obvious that I actually don't have a problem. Oh, get out of here! Get get out of here! That's we're talking about about the about the Cena Nikki Bella. Yes, thing. yes. They're trying, to, they're trying to get people to watch the. They're TV working show. their own relationship. It's so grimy. Stop it! They're they're like it's reality TV. It's grimy. Of course it is. That's the point, and that's why it's awesome. Quite frankly, I actually kind of like like they oh, are putting. Think you. about this. They are putting their real lives out there for us to criticize and absorb. They're lying. It's so oh, man, there's nothing about you, you watch the challenge, Nick. There's nothing about reality TV. That's real, please. But, but, who, but that's the thing. So who cares though? It's Me. entertainment. It's I want right. authenticity. It's still real to you. Says Dan. the pro wrestling. The Rousey Nia Jax thing on Monday was one of the worst pieces of trash I've ever seen. So poorly acted again. It, it was, and I hope that they're able to rescue it and the match is good and the build is good. I have a lot of issues with how with how that went down, especially coming off the heels of what was my favorite match at WrestleMania, the Rousey mixed tag team match. There you go. I gave my take. You didn't respond to it, and now you guys still get to do it in the main event. There, everybody won. Brian, see, we did it. Say goodbye. Awesome. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. Well, that's right a little now. rough, Randy. No, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. Wrestling's a rough sport, and the interview's over, Nick. Interview. You See, okay, re- ready for this? Okay, so you guys can bang on me, right, because I haven't listened to the podcast recently. Brian, what's my trademark line when I do highlights on CBS Sports HQ when a game ends? Wow, wow, this is a, this I is know. a fair, this is a fair no, comeback right here. This is a fair comeback. Okay, yes, okay, so Brian Campbell doesn't watch me on CBS Sports HQ, so you know what I, I say? I got two words for you, and I'm doing, the, I'm doing it right now on Skype. You can't see it, but guess what I'm doing? You know what I'm doing <laughs> for Brian Campbell. Well, you can suck my... So I've been kind of running it around here because I use the Kenny Omega goodbye and good night at the end of highlights. So it's like when LeBron James says goodbye and good night. Now, at some point now, obviously, I don't try and make it like I made it up. Like if anyone asked me, I'd say I stole it from Kenny Omega. It's like my tribute to him, imitation, the most serious form of flattery. At some point, do I need to like tweet Kenny Omega and be like, hey, Kenny, are you okay that I'm using your catchphrase here? I will give him full credit for it. I'm not trying to intimate that I made it up. I obviously didn't. But at some point, do I need to reach out to Kenny and let him know, hey, man, I'm using your catchphrase here on national television here for CBS? No, I think you I think someone else needs to take the clip and be like, here's Nick Costas, Costos, I'm sorry, uh, you know, delivering the Kenny Omega line. But you, you don't Kenny Omega fan. But you don't do the bang, which is your your fault. When there's a when there's a dagger three I to end the game. I can't do the bang. It's Mike Breen's thing. Oh, okay. And Mike Fair Breen's enough. a Fordham guy and so am I. I yeah, no, you know. No, you Mike, can't still from Breen. Like, like LeBron, bang! I can't do the bang. That's Mike Breen's thing already. I can't take Fair it. Enough. Way Fair enough. The way that Kenny's reaction would be, maybe this. You don't like it? I don't care. You don't speak English? I don't. Yeah. Think he'd be fired up for that? Yeah, I'd love it. 
Dominion, Omega, and Okada. Would you rather watch that, or would you rather watch Roman Reigns against Jinder Mahal? Get the hell out of my face. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Nick Costos, everybody. He's back. He's back. He's 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 all kind of like filled up with testosterone. He's it's great. I feel like I, I feel like I was the best bout machine today, guys. I just gave you a five star performance. You're welcome. Best bouts. Love it, love it, love it, Nick. Hey, Nick. Uh, any any message to your female listeners on the way out today? Uh, at the Costos on Instagram, uh, I have a blue check mark. That means I'm verified. And uh, that makes me more appealing to you. So uh, at the Costos on Instagram. Thank you. Find him on uh, Instagram and Twitter and slide into those DMs, ladies. Oh, man. All right, Adam. Always, always a pleasure to have handsome, nasty, well-dressed, whatever you want to call Nick these days. He's a busy man. We had him for longer than we thought. A little wild discussion to kick it off, but we do want to get back on track if the train is still moving forward and begin with our main event. All in, sold out in under 30 minutes. 10,000 approximately tickets, give or take. I don't know exactly what the capacity is. Uh, you know, the in, let's call it the independent super show, all-star game, whatever you, however you want to tag it. Long story short, the Young Bucks and Cody basically accepted a bet from Dave Meltzer that an independent show could not be the first one since WCW in like the late 90s to actually sell 10,000 seats to a single event. Initially, it was about Ring of Honor doing it, which we all know would never happen, especially today. But they took that kind of a, as a personal uh, task to try and see if they could make it happen. Every big independent wrestling name, basically in the world, in my opinion, BC, is on this card. It's going down in Chicago, September 1st, and it sold out. What do you think about this accomplishment? Uh, just right off the top here. I'm fired up. I'm absolutely fired up and surprised. I, I thought it was going to be a sellout. I predicted it would be a sellout. And I thought maybe they would have to use a last-minute big name to help them get there. I, I thought this was going to be a success all the way in the beginning, potentially, of something special that could that could become something that we'll get, you know, we'll get to in a minute on this discussion. But my immediate reaction to having it sold out in, like, what, 26, 29 minutes, whatever it was, it, it blows me away. It does blow me away. It shows you how well the Bucks and Cody has have done as marketers at building a brand that's really separate from Ring of Honor, separate from New Japan, separate from indie wrestling as a whole. This reality show, this being the elite, is is like, it's special. I mean, whether you think the show is brilliant or not, what it's created is a culture and a in some in character and in a in a theme that there's something hip going on here. And I think that's the biggest story that came out of this thing selling out so quickly. Like, yes. Top, I mean, every big name on the independence you mentioned is on there. If you like NJPW, a lot of the big names are going to be on there. If you like Ring of Honor, a lot of the big names, all that. But to sell out in 26 minutes when even Cody and Kenny wrestled in front of what? Three, 4,000 uh, for Ring of Honor on WrestleMania weekend? I mean, that's, that's a big deal. We have to sit here for a second, stop the presses, and just say... I mean, you know, you saw tweets from Paul Heyman. You saw tweets from a lot of WWE-related people just saying, let's just applaud for a second at exactly what this accomplished. This is a very big deal. I'm all in. Are you all in? I, I, I am, Brandy. I'm all in right now. I'm all in with excitement. Oh, is that the pause for me? That, okay. that, was, um, a, that was a tip-off to you, a little alley-oop. Sure. Because I want to so know I, where you're going with this, because I, I got the counter-punches up ready, because you this from this all the way along, Silver King's been dismissing this. They've been, you know... No, that's, no, no, no. That's BS right there. No, I'm, about, not, to, I'm about to call you to task here. I, I mean, I've been... Call me, you call me out if you want, but I never dismissed this. Yes, you did. I, no. I, 
I don't, I don't believe in the quote-unquote revolution. That's different from this because the revolution, as you discussed either last week's show or two weeks ago, is about force something being so popular and so over that it forces WWE to counter it. And right now, that's still not happening. That does not mean that I didn't expect this to sell out. I told you it did. In fact, I think I guaranteed it would. All I right, but never, this was a classic I, Silver King hedge, though. Because no, no, when no. This it's not a hedge, man. Life is not black and white. There's shades of gray. Oh, and that's what no. I'm explaining here. I never expected it to sell out in 30 minutes, in an hour, in a day. I thought it would eventually happen. I thought they'd sell four or 5,000 seats, and the rest would come in. You know, there's plenty of time until September 1st, okay? So I was not at all surprised. Not at all. Was I impressed? Absolutely. Yes. Because for these guys to accomplish a 10,000 seat sellout, I don't care if scalpers bought 1,100 tickets. I don't care if the show's in Chicago and, you know, people think, oh, maybe CM Punk is going to show up. I don't care about any of that. For this to have happened for an independent wrestling show is massive. That said, I don't think it's, it's lost that they've had a ton of help in this happening. Okay. They have, they're able to, even though the audience isn't big, promote it through Ring of Honor and through New Japan by being able to mention it and have the characters. They're getting a ton of help from New Japan, allowing Kaz Okada to be on this show, among many, many uh, others that are under no, contract Don't hedge it with a, well, it's not really I'm that I'm not hedging, man. I'm explaining, okay? So this is the reason this worked. You know, they, I guess you could say they technically won the bet with Dave Meltzer because it happened. But the initial bet, and this is what we discussed on the show, and this is what I told you I didn't think would happen, is them getting three months to promote a Ring of Honor type show and selling out 10,000 seats. That's not what this is. This is a year plus long promotion. Okay? Here's what you're doing. In- this is, this is, I mean. Son, my turn. Yeah, I, I've been sitting here looking over this rap sheet of yours and I got something to tell you. You're doing two things at once that I don't like. Number one, you're trying to give them credit, but then you're trying to hedge it with, by the way, they did have six to nine months to advertise it and had these other outlets help them, so they probably should have done it. So it's your way of sort of knifing them on the side. And number two, when this first came up on this show, you said they're not going to get to 10,000. Uh, that's but not then, true. Oh, it is true. And then Find over it. time, you did a Silver King move, which is you took back some ownership, and then suddenly you were like, well, it's going to get to 10,000. I predict it'll get to 10,000, and if it doesn't get to 10,000, then they failed. So you're basically saying something no, that that's, you dismissed No, 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 early, that's, a control, that's a control B, bold and now you're line. now you're trying to hedge it no. back and say, well, yes, they did it, and I predicted they would. You can't have it. You can't do that. No, th- first of all, that's that's so not true. I never said they wouldn't do it. I probably said something along the lines of, I don't think they're going to, or I would be or at the time when it was just, Hey, these three guys are going to put on an independent show with a lot of ROH talent. Are they going to sell 10,000 seats? I was like, no, probably not. It would be difficult, but I hope they do good. Good luck is probably what I said. I didn't say they definitely will not do it, but guess what? BC, the show has evolved over nine months of promotion with Kaz Okada on it with Kenny Omega, which we knew obviously Omega would be there and, and Penta zero M. I mean, this is a massive superstar show. I told you about two months ago, maybe, that it would sell out. And for me, I don't care if I had to slightly change my opinion from, man, I maybe don't think it'll happen to now it's definitely going to happen. I still am at it was definitely going to happen well before it did happen. So you can't give me crap for buying yeah. into what you want me to buy into because I wasn't day one saying, oh, yeah, a show produced by the Young Bucks and Cody 
not knowing a single person on it is not guaranteed to sell out. Well, you had to assume. You Come had to assume on. they're going to get some some big names here. I mean, I get. So basically, Come what you're on. saying is when the names started adding, you came around. I just don't want to see you taking any ownership here or giving them a little. I am not taking any ownership. Well, whatsoever. they had nine this months. This is not my revolution. Here's what we have to understand here. It's not even about BC and the revolution. These guys are the heroes right now, and I mean that. I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I actually mean that. WWE is dominating the business right now. These guys, including Cody, who stepped out from WWE shadow purposely to try to make it on his own, what they're doing right now, going all in on themselves, pun intended, is really something special here that needs to be applauded. They're saying, essentially, there's something going on outside of WWE. By the way, this is the spirit of the revolution talking. There's something going on outside of WWE that's better than WWE and we are going to bet on ourselves and risk certain amounts of our future to show everybody that so in a certain way it's interesting here you can kind of compare what Cody's doing right now to what Vince did in 1984 going national betting on himself breaking away from the territory system and saying screw everybody else I'm going for it and I'm going to put every dollar I have into WrestleMania one and if it doesn't succeed I'm going under, but if it does, I might have something here. And I'm not saying All In is going to become WrestleMania and Cody's going to have his own promotion. I'm just saying this is that type of move right now. You're you're extrapolating this very, very far. There's no guarantee that a second one of this, once the novelty has worn off, would sell 10,000. Do I think it would? Yes, I do. Based on the fact that there's so many people that still want to go to this show. They probably could have put it in a 15,000 seat, 18,000 seat, and may have been able to sell out or come close to it, okay? But this is a perfect storm, okay? The WWE product is awful right now, coming out of WrestleMania. Their top star is a guy who the smart fans do not believe in, despite them trying to get him over with everyone else. Meanwhile, there's way better in-ring wrestling going on in Japan, and a lot of those guys are going to be at this show. This is also the first time that NJPW guys are going to be at a semi-major, and this is major, but a semi-major show, not in California. So the rest of the country that doesn't live in the West Coast, if they want to see NJPW, this is really their best opportunity to do it, even though it's not an NJPW card. So this really is the perfect storm. It's in a great market that's in driving distance to other great markets for this to happen. If they ran this show, and they wouldn't do it because they would have been stupid, but if they ran the show in Miami or Orlando, Right with without WWE there simultaneously, I don't know that it sells out. And I'm not. That's not detracting from. No, them. I, mean, I get it's, what you're saying. It's saying it's saying don't take the success of this and go on to say you know what they're going to be able to run the show four times a year, sell them out. This revolution's real. Everything's going crazy. So this I'm is an amazing. This is an amazing moment. So I'm this not is necess- fantastic for them. I'm not don't necessarily doing that and saying that this is the start of all this. But what I am saying is you can't have a revolution. Without this being this successful, and to, for a revolution to work, other players, including guys in WWE right now, are going to have to leave WWE, come join whatever this revolution is, whether it's NJPW, whether it's Cody's indie promotion, whether it's not even a promotion, and it's just a bunch of free agents working whatever show they want. You need this as the foundation to draw those people, like Jericho. They drew Jericho. Well, sorry, let me take that back. We don't know if Jericho is going to be all in. But Jer- the revolution did draw draw Jericho, though, right? It did. It did, attract it did and I think there's an above average chance he's at the show. I, I, I would agree with you on that. So I think that's overall we have to say for me, Cody's a wrestling hero. The Bucks are too because they are building something that could lead to a revolution. You can't have the end game without 
Jericho being in the co-main and NJPW. You can't have the end game without this. It, the progression is working for the revolution right now. You got to give it credit. And one thing I really like for the nostalgic part of it is Cody has announced that he'll be facing Nick Aldis for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship at the All-In card. I think that's the only bout we know that's booked for that card. And Correct. obviously, I love that because what Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana are doing with the NWA thing is they don't have a promotion right now, but they have this classic name and this classic belt. And they're keeping it classic and they're not building a promotion. What they're building is a championship that could travel around to each indie. And that's the spirit of the revolution. That's what Kenny and Cody want. They want this open land where they can go anywhere they want. So the fact that Cody can win a belt potentially that his dad wore championship. Championship, I'm sorry, great point. That his dad wore and made famous is amazing. And by the way, Nick Aldis does not suck. Some people know him as Magnus and TNA. He's doing pretty good work right now. He's married to Mickey James. This is gonna be an interesting match. I like what's going on. I watch 10 Pounds of Gold. We don't talk about it a lot in the show, but that little web series that, that Billy Corgan's doing is, is, is really good stuff. So I like that synergy. I like that All In is going to be a four-day event, Adam. This is WrestleMania-like in terms of the shoulder content going around it. This was very smart. We're going to see all day of your of podcast, live shows. We're going to see wrestler sort of like roundtable discussions. Don't matter, but go ahead, yeah. Wrestling roundtable discussions. We're going to see autographs, meet and greets. There's three days of activities going around here. Three or four, actually. It goes from Thursday to Sunday. They are making this an indie Super Bowl, the start of it. And I think that's really smart when you consider the big names podcast-wise and legend-wise that are going to be there. I mean, not in this corner, Big, but yeah. Um, I I, I do so – you, you touched on a lot of topics there. I do love that the NWA title – is going to be defended there. I like what they are doing with it. I don't know that what you said about Nick Aldis is true. I think a lot of people don't like him. Uh, I don't know him one way or the other, so I'm not going to really share my opinion because I don't have one. But based on what I can tell, I think a lot of people are ready for Cody to take this title. And let's be honest. What a pop it would be oh, if yeah. Cody wins his dad's title at his own I mean, he promoter will win it. Let's be honest. He will win it. That's the point. He will. I mean, if he match. doesn't, it's the worst booking. You want to talk about Roman Reigns being bad booking? Cody not winning the title at all in is bad booking. But anybody who happen. didn't watch TNA and was like, who's Nick Aldis? This guy can work. This guy's got a great look. I mean, this guy's legit. I'm, I'm pumped up about that. And then, Adam, the other sort of thing lingering out there is that Pro Wrestling Tees randomly announces that CM Punk in the same city, his home city of Chicago, the day before will be at an event. And that has to get you fired up. They didn't need to announce Punk on this card to get to 10,000. But you have to imagine he's going to be there in some form. I wouldn't be surprised to see him show up. I mean, how does this uh, work with his UFC fight? When is that bout and when is this event? That bout, it's June 9th in, in uh, is it Chicago? Yeah, yeah June 9th in Chicago. in Chicago. And that that's the last fight on his two-fight deal with the UFC. And it wouldn't matter anyway. I mean, he could, he could still make an appearance at a wrestling event, even if he was under contract. Oh, he could make an appearance. Yeah, but I was saying if he did anything in the ring, you know, I don't know how that works. Um, I, I would be surprised if he's not there. Why are they announcing an autograph signing if he's not going to show up as the, Bernard, the business bear, or or something else? Like, I think CM Punk can be there. They can chant his name. It'll be a nice surprise for the crowd. I don't think he's going to wrestle. It's, it's interesting. It's really interesting. But we got a bunch of people who listen to this show that have questions about this event. They want answers. Kentucky Long Rifle. Yes, Kentucky Long Rifle. We do have some bonus DM slides. Our really good friend Tristan Adelato, Adelano underscore Tristan, says, how is it that All In sold out in around 30 minutes? 
But that NJPW show in San Fran, which is the G1 special in July, still has thousands of seats left. They're both running similar size venues, have a lot of the same talent on the card, Omega, Okada, the Bucks. Was it the marketing genius of Bucks and Cody to promote the event, or was it that NJPW's tickets cost more? So I wanted to read this, Adam, because I want your take on this, because Tristan says he's really stumped by it, and you said as part of the reason why you almost thought Cody should have sold 10,000 seats here is because he had nine months and he has big NJPW names. But those same big NJPW names aren't moving product in San Fran in July. Why? All right, well, first of all, they booked too big of, of a facility. They booked the effing Cow Palace. Okay? History, history. And yeah, yeah, it's historic, but it's in an area where it's not like, I forget where Strong Style Evolved was, what venue that was, but that's a smart fan Long Beach. centric area, Long Beach, okay? This is not, the Cow Palace is not in that type of area. So it's immense travel for people. It's also oversaturation of the California market. NJPW is not WWE. I can't stress this enough. They will sell shows, right? We want to see, listen, Kenny's coming to Daytona, Florida. Okay, he's doing the CEO gaming convention that I could care less about. It's a date that I could get there. But you know what? It's six hours away. Right, but you and just I'm not saw, driving to Daytona. You just saw him in New Orleans, though. So you got to head. Well, I, no, but I, that was barely a match. I mean, he did like four moves. It was whatever. I'm not complaining, but whatever. Um, so you got if NJPW wants to sell out this type of show, either put it in Long Beach where you know you're going to have success, put it in closer to LA, or how about you go to a different part of America? That's a huge wrestling. Oh, there's a big town. Asian market there in in Northern California. Okay, man, but it's not not all. The only fans aren't Asians. You know how many white guys are the whole the whole crowd's white guys, okay? Uh, you know, and guys, just men, Americans, every race, every race, creed, and color. Um, so put it anywhere: New York, Chicago, Philly, and it would sell out. But it's oversaturation of the same market over again, and it's at a venue that's too big and too far away from the base of fans in that area. It was destined to fail, All not right. fail, that's but fair. destined that's to fair. not sell out. It's fair. I, I think it'll catch up. What else? What else we got here from our listeners here? Uh, Black Saber Jr. is still one of my favorite, uh, you know, Twitter names there at TKCXP. Sure. Uh, with all him selling out, he wants to, and a victory for the revolution in hand, he says, BC. He wants to know if you think All In will eventually become the Super Bowl of the Indies, tons of cross promotional matches, and a one year, one time a year supercard. Here's where, here's where it gets interesting. That's a great question from Black Saber. I thought Saber we already addressed this, though. Well, we teased at it, but I purposely didn't get into the meat because I, I saw this question coming. Here's the key. Cody was asked on Twitter about two months ago, if this is successful, will you consider starting your own promotion? And he gave a quick and very interesting answer that said, no, I watched Dusty sink millions into WCW at certain points and and lose. I don't want to go down that road. So I don't think they're going to go that way. And like I teased earlier, all of these guys say their dream is to be able to wrestle everywhere, including WWE, without signing long-term contracts and float around and just do the shows they want to do. With that said... If this is already this successful on 10,000 seats in 26 minutes, you better believe they're going to try a larger arena next year, and you better believe that All In has a chance to be exactly what the question asked, the Super Bowl of the Indies, an annual almost convention. They're already going on year one with a four-day setup of podcasts, meet and greets, all that good stuff that you saw during Mania Weekend, both under the WWE banner and separately at the, uh, what was that, WrestleCon? Is that, yeah. that the event that they had? So this is becoming a thing along with WrestleMania weekend. Uh, Yes, it has great potential to basically every year take all the best talent that's not with WWE 
and match them together. It's a dream come true. There's a difference. When WWE went national in 84, a couple times the other promoters tried to do this. What was that? What was it called? Uh, what was it? Super Clash is what it was. It never right. worked out because everybody was greedy out for themselves. They couldn't agree on booking. They couldn't agree on money. The cards and the shows sucked. This is so special, and this is what makes the revolution unique. Everybody's in it for the same reason. It's like the spirit that was in the locker room of ECW. That's why those guys were willing to kill themselves for almost no money. Paul Heyman gave them great speeches to rile them up. They were making something unique. They were changing the business. That's encapsulation what's really happening right here. And I think as long as that spirit stays, this revolution has a chance, and this event has a chance to be massive every year. What a speech. Yeah. I just fired myself up right there. Self-pop. <laughs> Self-pop. Wow. I think there's a lot of potential. Um, the first one being successful is not surprising. You know, called it impressive. But the second one is where you know whether it works. Because now it's not unique anymore. Year two, whether it's year two or whether it's six months from now, right? Or six months from se September, I should say. That's when you know, okay, we have something here. Or... You book a 20,000-seat venue, you sell 13,000, and it doesn't mean you stop doing it, but it's like, okay, this is what it is. You know, they understand it is something unique and fun and special that they do, but it's not necessarily going to be a WWE pay-per-view caliber type of show, you know, big five pay-per-view type of situation. So, and the other thing to consider, BC, and again, I said this earlier, but this isn't to detract from what they accomplished. There's a lot of help coming from Ring of Honor, not just with talent, but with setting up and getting them the equipment they need and so on and so forth, and a lot of help from NGPW allowing talent, not out of contracts, but the you know giving them waivers, let's say, to participate in this. It's cool for a one-time thing. If Cody and the Young Bucks want to start using Okada every single year for a major event, and let's say they want the NGPW title on the line or appearing with him or whatever the case is, that's what NGPW might say. Hey, guys, if we're going to do this, maybe this is an NGPW-sponsored event, and maybe we air it on NGPW World well, as well. I, that's a good so, point. so I guess that'll decide. Let's see. Let's not jump. This is what I'm trying to say. Let's not jump to too many conclusions here, and let's kind of wrap it up on, in terms of this event and this year, awesome. Not, I don't think, at the end, you can disagree with how I got there. Neither of us were surprised it sold out. Both of us are incredibly impressed that it sold out in 30 minutes. Good for them. All right. We don't know how we're going to be able to watch it yet, but you really hope and you assume. If, if we're going to be able to watch they, it. They have to. If they don't, that's so short-sighted. They, they have to. Even if it's on a Ring of Honor app or some fight, whatever. Apparently there's, some, apparently there's some contractual issues where all these people were allowed to appear on the show because it's not a pay-per-view. It's not being streamed. You know, it's not on TV with cameras. Uh, Maybe they can get around that somehow. Maybe they offer it for free so there's no money being made, but other people can see it. In my opinion, that's what you do. Any profits you make, you do free streaming. That way, everyone in the world can see this. You want to talk about a revolution? That's how you do it. Yeah, you make it accessible. It needs to be. It really does. If it's not, then it's progressing. It's PWG, and it's basically like Woodstock. It's basically like wrestling Woodstock that you have to be there. But the problem when you have a tenth, you know, 15,000-seat arena is there's a limitation on that. It's not like you're doing it in Central Park or or Cowboy Stadium or something where it's like you have a chance to get there. Right, I don't know. We'll I don't happens. know what it's from, but there's a there's an audio clip or I, I don't know if it's from a movie or whatever. The revolution will be televised. Well, it needs to be in this it case if you actually want it to happen. All right, we got one more DM. Sir, I want to serve it up to you first from Dingus McGee, a regular on the show, and R Hamet. 
RT Hamid. I don't know what that means, Dingus McGee. I'm sorry about that. He says, book the Tam territory, BC. What's the best match for Punk at All In? Adam, I want to serve you up first. From the names we know that are All In, if CM Punk does wrestle, what's the best? And I'll let you include Jericho in there. What's the best match you can make there? That Kenny Omega. CM Punk, Kenny Omega. Interesting. Interesting. It's the only one I would want to see. I don't, there's no one else on that card. Oh, don't, don't do that. Yes, don't I, do that. No, don't no, 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 no. I love Come Okada. On. I love Penta. I love all these guys. But the match I would really want to see where I would lose my crap is Punk Omega. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, you could say that. You could say any of the names. I do want to mention one more name, though, Dingus McGee and Adam Silverstein. One more name. Here one we go. more. Daniel... Brian, because if you heard him on the Chris Jericho podcast last week, which was recorded in Saudi Arabia, which so you know it was recent, he says, my contract with WWE is up September 1st, the same night is all in. They sort of made some back and forth jokes where Daniel said, if I hadn't come back to WWE, I would definitely be looking to be on that show. And then Chris Jericho said, how would you do it? He said, I don't know, maybe I'd wrestle in a mask and then appear at midnight when my contract actually expires. Here's the thing, though, Adam. We don't know or have any proof that he did resign with WWE. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm not saying Daniel Bryan is going all in. I'm just saying until I know and until I see that contract, until I know he's going to be there through September 1st, you just never know. And the for one thing I said when Daniel Bryan came back and you gave me a snarl through the Skype screen is I said, one, which we talked about last week, I said they got to learn their lessons on booking him. But two, I said, you better, if you're Vince McMahon, on the book, keep Daniel Bryan happy until September. Are they doing that right now? There's natural segue here to talk about what's going on with Daniel <laughs> Bryan, but yeah, are they I, doing I mean, that right look, now? Look, Daniel, like, I, this is what I said. Let me, before we get to the storyline stuff with Daniel Bryan, I, I've said this to you offline. I think I said it on the show, too. If you're Daniel Bryan and you're dealing with medical issues, Okay, concussions and your brain and your and your life and your livelihood. Okay, the last thing I do, literally the last thing I do, unless I have no other option, is wrestle somewhere like Ring of Honor or in a, a, reg, a random independent show where who the hell knows about the trainers and the doctors and the medical personnel and what they have set up. I'm not saying that they don't take care of their guys because I don't know. What I do know is in terms of wrestling, WWE is world-class in that area because they have to be. Their doctors intimately know Daniel Bryan's stuff. Their trainers know what to look for, how to help him, how to test him after matches, whatever the case is. So if I'm Daniel Bryan and my wife is getting paid by WWE and they can pay me more money and the fans still react to me the way they do and I'm still going to get featured in major feuds and I have The Miz coming up and I can fight AJ Styles and I can fight Shinsuke Nakamura and Roman Reigns and so on and so forth. The last thing I'm doing is looking that gift horse in the mouth and saying, eh, I'm going to start wrestling in bingo halls. All right, let me just ask I, you this question. Unless I have to. Let me ask you this question, though. Let's say he's got a major itch to scratch. He came from the indies. He's not somebody motivated by money. He's somebody who looks at this as an art form and a craft. Let's say he doesn't resign. And he says to himself, one year. One year, I'm going to get all my dream matches out of the way. I'm going to go back to Ring of Honor. I'm going to go to Japan. I'm going to go to Mexico, which he said on the Jericho podcast. All the things that he would have wanted to do if WWE didn't clear him. Gets all of those out of his system. And then he goes back to Vince McMahon at the end of that year. Says, I'm ready to come back. 
What's Vince McMahon going to say? God damn it, Daniel. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> he's going to um, sign him back. He and you back. know this, man. He let him back. He'd let him back. But you know what else he could do? He could run the next one or two years through WWE. Let's say he signs a two-year contract. Do all the matches he needs. Have a title run. Get through all of the current talent that's there. Then say, you know what? I'm going to take a year off, quote unquote. Do that. And then come back like Chris Jericho does. Where Chris Jericho takes a year off for his band. Daniel Bryan takes a year off to go you know, independent wrestle around the world. So it doesn't have to happen now. What has to happen now is Daniel Bryan needs to make as much damn money as he can while he's healthy, while there's no problems, take advantage of the swing of his return. You don't return to WWE after three years of fans waiting for you and then just say, eh, see you later, guys. I want to throw sense. out one caveat, though. He did mention on that podcast how much family meant to him, how waking up each morning and having Birdie, his, his little girl there with him, it, like he was, he made a joke. Like, why do I want to leave this? He said he was telling Chris that he's got an upcoming European tour, which they're on right now, and he's basically saying, "Why do I want to leave this?" So we know that's the big appeal for these indie guys—the the way to control your own schedule. Yeah, but they're, they're lightening up his schedule. They're going to lighten True. up his schedule. He's not running the well, same schedule as Rollins. Come did on. Did you hear him on the Jericho podcast? He made a joke. He was like, Jericho was like, "What kind of schedule did they put you on?" He's like, "Well, right when I got cleared, they told me I'm going to Europe. They put me on the, you know, on the road." They're yes, putting- but that's Europe. That's not saying he's working. You know, he's working four shows in Wisconsin. You know, on a Tuesday through a Thursday. I mean, I it's different. You know Jericho what I mean? Jericho just proved it's a special situation, but Jericho proved that at at that level of legend you actually could be a real free agent and almost call your own shots. Right now, he's calling his shots. He's doing little runs in NJPW. He's coming back for the major events for WWE. Yeah, but Chris Jericho's on tour with a band where they're making gate money and merch money and stuff all year. Daniel Bryan's not making that money. He'd have to do so many independent events well, to make the same money he makes in WWE. He's by money. His wife is rich, too. So all I'm just all I'm just going to put out, and it's not like he wouldn't get paid uh-huh. well in the indies. I'm just saying maybe, maybe in his mind, maybe, I'm speaking for him, maybe... He's saying, how do I get to that Jericho spot where I can do a six month run in WWE and a great feud with this guy, but then go to Japan for this little yeah. thing and then go to Re- that wrestle three, four more years, then do that, then come back to WWE. That's what Jer- Jericho is doing what he did now, BC, at the end of a career where he left WCW for WWE and then was committed to Vince McMahon. And, and became Vince's boy, not his boy like Shawn Michaels was in the 90s, but his boy where. He knows he can talk to Vince, explain his situation, what he wants to do with his life. Daniel Bryan, I don't know behind the scenes. We're not there. You know, we're not in the production meetings and, and we're not backstage, but I don't think he's there. It would be surprising if he was Vince McMahon's boy and the fans had to fight for him to win the title at WrestleMania 30. Okay. If he was Vince McMahon's boy, that would have happened naturally. Like, like with it, not naturally, but however, Shawn Michaels forced himself into that position or helped himself get into that position, that same thing would have happened with Daniel Bryan. I'll so, bet you right now that Vince McMahon doesn't look at Daniel Bryan the way we do, doesn't look at him as a main event the way we he do. He doesn't. So let's talk about the next couple months, and let's talk about what we saw this week on SmackDown with Big Cass coming out. So Daniel Bryan comes out and says, I want the real title. I want the WWE Championship. Cass interrupts, and then you had an interesting swear, you know, d- development where it's Bryan who attacked Cass and beat the crap out of him. Put beat him into the, the submission, forced the tap, referees had to break it up. You know, I mean, it was comeuppance that was deserved, but you like where this is going? You like the way they're handling him? Do you like the way his from now through SummerSlam looks if there was ever a chance he isn't resigning? Yeah, I think it's great. Um, I hate the Cass feud because I don't like Cass. And it, I was worried, and I was right, uh, their match was awful at Backlash because Cass can't work the way Brian can work. And also, Cass worked like 10% of his ability in that match he did like four moves and he's paraded around the ring the whole time. 
And we've seen Cass work well as a single when Enzo got injured and he had to do it for a month. Like, it's just not good, okay? I don't like the character presentation. I, I think he's okay on promos. The backstage promo he did last week was fine. What I'm curious about is whether Tuesday night's uh, happenings were planned booked storyline long-term or some comeuppance for this rumored beef that he has backstage where Vince and everyone else basically told him not to beat up the little person outside of a single boot a couple weeks ago. Okay. And, he went ahead, and he went ahead and did it anyway. So I don't know what that is. But going back to Daniel Bryan, I think it's totally fine that they gave him a feud as a interim, something to keep him busy until he's ready to fight the Miz. Not ready, but storyline ready, okay? I think you're going to have Daniel Bryan Miz, whether it, I don't, I don't want them to rush it for SummerSlam because it feels like it should have already been started with the first match maybe at Money in the Bank and the second match at SummerSlam, right? But if we have a match at SummerSlam between those two, and it continues a la the AJ style Shinsuke Nakamura after SummerSlam into Survivor Series, let's say, over the next couple events. That's really cool. That works for me. You still have AJ Styles out there. You still have Shinsuke Nakamura out there. You have Samoa Joe. This is just SmackDown. Andrade Cien Almas. Are you kidding me? That'd be awesome. But you heard right? those cheers for DB, though, to open SmackDown. I mean, they were special cheers. Massive. I mean, you heard, I played that sound earlier with the feel it, feel it. I mean, you heard the cheers. Feel that! I mean, you you can feel it. That's the crowd, like three, four years ago, saying, we're not going to settle for this guy in the Savage Steamboat match at SummerSlam. We want him with the belt. We want him in something major. But, but he does need to work his way back there, because whether it is WWE belief in him, belief in himself and his in-ring ability, he has to, you can't just not wrestle for three years with major life-concerning injury issues and then be in the WWE championship picture. Everyone else around you has to be comfortable with that. And I have no issue him doing programs with Miz and all these other guys working into a title spot. But yes, whether it's WrestleMania, whether it's the Royal Rumble, whether it's next year's SummerSlam, there needs to be a progression for him onto the WWE world title picture. All right, that was my long-winded way to say that Daniel Bryan, CM Punk at All In is the best match you can make for CM Punk, and that would break the internet, and that would be incredible. Hey, Adam, we have a second part of the main event this week. Wow, we're all... <laughs> oh, is this... Oh, what are we, an hour into the show? We're hitting the second part of the main event. I love it. We saw it uh, on Raw this week. We also saw it earlier in the day from the NBC Universal upfronts in New York. Ronda Rousey was challenged by Raw Women's Champion Nia Jax for a champ- an obligatory championship bout at Money in the Bank. She awkwardly accepted after at first saying, doesn't other people deserve it more than me? So we are rocket shipping Ronda into a title match when she herself said on the screen, I haven't even had a singles match yet. I've had one match. But Adam, that's not even the worst part about it. If that was the only issue off the start, I'd be like, all right. You know, she didn't earn it, whatever. Jax was the champion. The champion wants to test herself. But it was the way that clip was presented. It was the way that clip was sent in. How it was half real, half kayfabe, and all lame. And, like, hey, WWE, didn't you just last summer book and shoot the beginning of a Ronda Rousey-Charlotte angle when the four horsewomen stared off against each other? Didn't you just announce that Rousey's other two horsewomen friends have joined the Performance Center? but you're going to have Rousey and Charlotte buddy-buddy wooing for each other with their arms around each other in front of the cameras? When you saw that, Adam, you thought, this is not storyline. This is real. 
But then we went right into a storyline, and even after she accepted the challenge from Naya, they were like, let's get a drink, and they were like, all buddy, let's get some water. All three of them, with Naya included. What the hell is going on here? BC, I only have two words to share with WWE about this. This is awful. I mean, they literally took the one thing I was holding on to in Ronda Rousey, saying they are booking her perfectly. This is genius that they're doing a feud with Natalia and Mickey James so she's able to wrestle veterans and be involved in something. And there, I saw the progression, right? Every single thing they had done with Ronda Rousey to this point, in my opinion, was a home run. This is Awful. It's inexcusable. Not, o- not only was what you said completely true, the actual execution of it, okay? I don't even want to repeat it because what you said, you nailed it. Why is this match happening? Why is Ronda Rousey kayfabe, someone who's never even had or won a singles match in the company, getting a what's the equivalent of a world title match at a pay-per-view. I don't care if they find a way for her to win via DQ because Mickey James interferes, and so she wins the match, but she doesn't win the title. Why are you having the match then? Well, that What's was my first point? reaction to you because well, you got upset off the start of hearing it. My first reaction, I guess, to try to lean on the optimist, optimist side was, okay, timing-wise doesn't seem to make sense, but let's let it play out because think about it. What if at Money in the Bank, Ronda could be on her way to winning the title and her friend Natalia could turn on her and cost her. And then we get Ronda Natalia at SummerSlam in her first real big singles feud. And that's the match that like gets Ronda to an even higher level. And it's awesome. And it's great. If you told me that's the end game, okay, maybe. But all the other crap in the fake kayfabe part really muddles and ruins that. And you had an interesting question there, which was why? Why rush her into that? I have a conspiracy theory on maybe why. And that's this. NBC has the WWE contract through when? You you usually know. Is it next year, next fall? Um, I think it's the full 2018 slate at some point in 2019. It ends. So for early. like a little more than a year left on it. Everyone's yeah. talking about Fox is going to come in and swoop in and take it. And Fox is going to make a two-hour Raw on primetime TV. And Ronda Rousey is going to be the centerpiece. There's something in this, and it's the upfront. This video was shot at the upfront. Why was WWE there? Why were the cameras there? Why was it so important that they let you know they're at the upfront? Because you have to look at what an upfront is. It's when NBC or any network sits in front of their potential advertisers, says this is the content we are going to have on our channels for the next year. Get ready to, to pony up the money because it's going to be really good. I think this is NBC waking up and going, whether we continue this deal with WWE or not, they just signed Ronda Rousey. We have her, whether just to watch her on Raw on Monday nights on Universe on USA or go something further. Let's use her. And my first question to you was, maybe we are setting up for a primetime NBC special, a Saturday night's main event reboot with Ronda Rousey as the centerpiece to it. And I even went further because, you know, I'm a conspiracy guy and said, hey, Saturday, September 1st, anything going on in wrestling? Oh, yeah, all in with Cody and the Bucks. Maybe Vince counter programs that night. I know that's another leap on top of another leap. But hit me at my original point here, Adam. Is there any... Well, let me poke holes, let me poke holes in this entire thing. Let me. Is there any okay. possibility I'm onto something here? No. A um, couple of reasons. Number one, Saturday, September 1st, NBC will be airing Michigan-Notre Dame football. Is that, a okay. pr- is that confirmed? 
It is confirmed. Prime time. So that's not happening. All right, what time would that start? What time would that start? Uh, 7.30. That's okay, a, what time does it end? Game. What time does it end? 10.30? 11. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think is going to happen? 10.30? What do we do? What time, what time is Saturday's main event in the 80s? What time does it start at? 8. 11.30. Every single time. 11.30 Eastern. Really? 11.30 p.m.? Yes. Yes. Oh, right I didn't know that. But right still not happening. Lose. They got NFL the next day. Not happening. Um, number one. That's number one. Number two, they didn't cut this angle at the upfronts on the stage in front of all the advertisers. They did it in front of a WWE camera only. There was no other cameras around. Okay? Just those three women. And they only put it on WWE.com and, and social media and on, on Raw. So I understand where you're going with it. I have no idea why they did this, why they did it in this manner, and why Ronda Rousey being challenged by another woman, okay, knowing her character in UFC and why I love her so much as a person and as a real-life competitor. There's no way she gets challenged by someone and goes, well, I don't really know if I deserve it yet. She goes, you're dead. She goes, you're dead. You never should have done that. That's where the, that's where the switch is supposed to flip. This makes no sense. It's awful. God have mercy on their souls. Wow. Zero point zero. This does get the Silver King, the all-time supporter of Rousey and what she's doing. And I saw you had a little Twitter war with my guy, Guns, Mike Gunzelman from the IMA show there. Not not to bring up your other Twitter war with Thomas Jordan Sutton, our listener, but about Rousey's mic work. Oh, right? is that guy on the IMA show? Yeah, Guns, my man Guns oh. from ABC well, I, Radio. A, I didn't know that. B, I'm a Howard Stern guy, so that tells you all you need to know. Wow, wow, Go right ahead. there. It, about, about this is an exposure of Rousey on the mic. So basically anyone that didn't see the Silver King's point is a fair one. Hey, Rousey hasn't had the, the time on the mic. Rousey hasn't had the rep. She hasn't been in. I've said this. She I hasn't said been this in the, the PC. But my counter to you in WWE is this. Then stop putting her in position to fail and situations to fail. You just nailed it. She should have gave a three-word response. Anytime, place, or your arm is broken or whatever you want to do. Stop putting her in positions to fail because, Adam, that was a failure and she failed. She was a big reason why it was bad. I mean, Rob, she shouldn't Blair, have been put in that position. I know. So while, yes, you can defend and be like, well, you know, Rousey shouldn't that we shouldn't be that that tough on her because she has not the reps. We got to be tough on her because they're putting her in spots to fail and she's failing. And eventually I, I know that's not really her fault. She's not failing. She's not failing, man. She she's being asked to do something that's not her. Just like Roman Reigns is failing. It's not his fault. And this is a guy who's been cutting promos and doing things forever. When he was given the opportunity with John Cena, okay, and given either material or allowed to kind of freestyle a little bit on his own, he went from bad to way acceptable, okay? When Ronda Rousey did the interview with Kurt Angle and she was allowed to talk and it was taped and it wasn't in front of a crowd, which she doesn't have experience talking in front of, she was amazing. It was perfect. This is not a, at a, at a television upfront in a suit. Okay, getting challenged by another face. So you're right, but it, perception it doesn't make any is sense. Reality. She's not failing. At the end of the game, at the end of the day, perception They're is reality, her. and we're going to judge whether someone's good at their job and whether it works. And you're right. There is a lot of interplay backstage going on. Not good creative, not good putting her in spots to win. But at the end of the day, we're still going to say, is Ronda Rousey a good sports entertainer? And if this keeps going this way, we're not going to go, well, hold up. She didn't have enough reps. We're going to go, no, she's awful on the mic. And that's ultimately the debate there. And they got to they got to stop killing her. The, yeah, I mean, look, they are failing her. There's nothing she has done physically in WWE that has not been, except for that first suplex that was kind of clunky, uh, that has not been incredibly impressive. BC, that match at WrestleMania was incredible. Okay? So the stuff that she did even working as a face with Natalia, with Mickey James a couple weeks ago, was very good. 
There was nothing wrong with it. So give her a chance to be a badass and make have booking her make sense. They were doing perfectly fine despite her limitations on the mic until Monday. That was a travesty. It never should have happened. The fact that she's wrestling someone in Naya, who, no offense to Naya, we like her as a person, is not one of their best workers in ring, okay? And hurt Bliss and has hurt other women. They're going to have her wrestle Rousey. That match better be three minutes and we better see an interference early. Well, it's Otherwise, a- this is... This makes no sense. It already makes no sense. And that is your biggest face. She's doing an anti-bullying campaign. It just it didn't make any sense. We got to get out of the main event or this show will go on forever. And we got to throw to our guest of the week, the WWE Hall of Famer, Mean Gene Oakland. Love going up and down the road. Memory lane with this guy, Mean Gene Oakland. Just want to give you a little heads up. The audio quality, not what you're accustomed to on the ITC, but the content right in the field house. Enjoy. Gene, holy balls. Great to you? talk to you, sir. Doing great. Thank you. The one and only WWE the Hall of Exactly. The one and only WWE Hall of Famer, Mean Gene Oakland, joining us today on behalf of Mountain Dew Kickstart. So great to talk to you, Gene, because you're playing a big part in this national TV commercial alongside actor-comedian Kevin Hart, who debuts as the new face of Mountain Dew Kickstart. And in this spot, Gene, it's really cool for pro wrestling nostalgic guys like me because... Kevin Hart's channeling the spirit of the late, great macho man, Randy Savage, with you by his side. Tell us about what it was like to film this. Well, it takes me back uh, just about 30 years ago. As, as you know, Brian, I've been in this game for, for quite a while. Matter of fact, this is my 47th year at uh, Mountain Dew's Kickstart commercial and the opportunity of working with Kevin Hart. I knew it was going to be a treat, and we had so much fun and time on the set that we got to do a little back-and-forth banter that I found very entertaining. I knew this was coming because our good friend, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, told me all about Kevin Hart. There you go. And I was really looking forward to it, everything that I expected. Now, he's a, a very famous actor-comedian, has the gift of gab. Does he have the wrestling foundation as a fan that impressed you? Oh, I, I think he I think he does uh, very much. And candidly, uh, he's not afraid to uh, let his hair down. Like, uh, well, let's just say, for instance, a macho man Randy Savage or a Ric Flair or a Hulk Hogan uh, or a Rowdy Roddy Piper, guys that, that you and I know very well from the past, they're legends. And uh, all of a sudden, here comes uh, Kevin Hart to the table, <laughs> along with all all that he's doing in entertainment today. And uh, working with the guy for me was a real, real pleasure. Now, Gene, he and, might... and I worked with all of these uh, these guys on Friday night videos, or oh, for sure. on Raw, on Nitro, whatever the case might have been. Now, Gene, Kevin Hart might be too small for the ring, maybe unless we can bring back the late great Lord Littlebrook. But do you think he has the chops, in your opinion, to cut it as a wrestling personality? Maybe like a Bobby Heenan or the Doctor of Style Slick? Well, I definitely think he has all of that. And, of course, with his background, with the, uh, with the comedy, I think a good example of what you just mentioned there, Bobby Heenan. There's a lot of similarities between the late, great Bobby Heenan and uh, Kevin Hart. They're both very quick on their feet, and uh, they know how to... Talk the talk. (laughs) And Gene, speaking of talk the talk, you've obviously interviewed 
anyone who was relevant through really the two most important wrestling er parts of the modern era, right? You know, stretches in terms of that. Who do you think was the absolute best at being entertaining and delivering a message at the same time of anyone you've interviewed? Well, I don't, I don't know. I have to kind of do it by, by eras of Brian because, uh, you know, I started out in 1971, and the 70s was uh, a decade that was very different from the 80s and 90s. So some of the early guys like the Crusher and the Bruiser and Mad Dog, the Sean, but as we go on, we work up to people like Hulk Hogan, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, the Macho Man, Rowdy Roddy Piper, and uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. I can go on and on, right. but... Uh, I think a lot of these guys compare to Kevin Hart today. And uh, Kevin, I'm sure, had an opportunity to go through a few of the old tapes from the old days out of the dungeon and pick up a few tips from some of these legends, these icons from days gone by. Well, he, he definitely sounds and looks the part in the Mountain Dew Kickstart commercial. It's very entertaining stuff. And Gene, on this podcast, we run a lot of famous sound drops from time to time to pop each other. And one that we always play might be your most iconic moment. Look at all this crap in this ring. Gene, we love that sound from Bash at the Beach 1996, Hulk Hogan turning heel. Can you take us back to that experience from your viewpoint of that seminal moment, from backstage to in the ring, what was that like? Well, it all happened at the uh, Ocean Center in Daytona Beach, Florida, on the shores of the mighty Atlantic Ocean. And, of course, it was uh, the bash at the beach was the premier uh, pay-per-view for world championship wrestling uh, back then. And we knew something was coming up, but we didn't realize who the players were going to be. You had, of course, uh, Scott Hall. You had Kevin Nash. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, we, we find somebody like the Macho Man getting involved. And he was in the ring at that time. And then all of a sudden, the change of heart for Hulk Hogan, yes. the one that really brought that crowd at the feet and also had them dispose of about as much garbage as I've ever seen since uh, WrestleMania 3. In that moment, Gene, did you knew that, did, could you feel that, that maybe the business would never be the same, that that moment with the launch of the NWO would have that impact? Well, I, I didn't know it was going to go quite as far as it did, but uh, certainly I knew that it was changing the landscape of what we knew back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s up to that point, because all of a sudden you had the interference of these outsiders, these uh, uh, two guys from WWE in, in Hall and Nash, and uh, all of a sudden they kind of took over the company, along with Eric Bischoff, Hulk Hogan, and numerous others. Their, their numbers grew and grew and grew until finally it became bigger than the company itself. Gene, Hulk's had some tough headlines in recent years. It feels like the wrestling audience is split. Half wants him back, half isn't sure. Do you think we'll ever see him in the public eye in wrestling once again? I do. I definitely do. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be this year, this week, uh, just exactly when it's going to be, but uh, the guy obviously made some mistakes, and we all do. But uh, most of us have an opportunity to get a second chance. And uh, I think that Hulk Hogan is going to have that chance. 
true, very true. Gene, I want to play one more sound drop for you that always pops us all. Put that cigarette out. 92 Royal Rumble, the infamous Ric Flair interview, the cigarette. What happened, Gene? Tell us the story. Well, there was a there was a uh, a, a poor guy, a uh, poor director, who was sitting there with a with a uh, with a cigarette in his hand, and uh, I can't have that on my set. Yes. Uh, not that I not that I didn't have a cigar from time to time myself, but uh, it just wasn't the time of the place, and I had to admonish him. I'm sorry to say that it got on the air, and a lot of people figured, what what is this all about? But it was pure and simple. Me admonishing somebody for smoking on set. Yes, that's ring generalship right there, Gene. I like that. Taking control of the situation. Well, of course it is. Exactly. You wouldn't expect anything less, Brian. That's holy balls. That's what I'm talking about. Now, Gene, many people forget that you actually had a one-on-one match in 2000 on WCW Thunder against Mark Madden. I'm wondering if you would prefer that people forgot that. I would prefer that people forgot that. You do remember that I also tagged up in 1984 with Hulk Hogan against the nefarious Mr. Fuji and George the Animal Steel, and I got the pin. We won. I remember that. That was actually one of my first memories as a fan, Gene. Gene, such a great chance to, to go up and down the road with you and look back on history. Great opportunity to talk to you ahead of this Mountain Dew Kickstart commercial. Final question here, Gene, because on this show we, we pop for things like this. We try to debate things. What's the largest crowd pop you have ever been live for in person that you could just feel and know this is special? Well, it had to be in 1987 at the Silver Dome in suburban Detroit, Pontiac, Michigan, when I announced the attendance of 93,178 for WrestleMania three. That was that spectacular card that had Andre and Hulk Hogan in that, that big slime match, and also uh, guys like the Macho Man and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And if Kevin Hart would have been ready for it at the time, I know he would have been part of that spectacular. Love it. Gene, thank you so much. We're looking forward to checking out your ad on Mountain Dew Kickstart with the great Kevin Hart, something all wrestling fans will not want to miss. Thank you so much for the time, Gene. You're a treasure to this industry, and it's been my pleasure. Brian Campbell. My, my sentiments exactly toward you. Thank you, sir. Adam, I, this guy's such a treasure. This guy, it's like when we get Paul Heyman on the show. And I don't mean Gene 75. He's, you know, he's doing great. I saw him WrestleMania weekend. But these, these treasures, there's not a lot left. And when I say by treasure, somebody who's been there every step of the way through the business's most important eras, right? Gene was in AWA in the territory days. He held the microphone when WrestleMania launched. And then he was on the side of WCW during the Attitude Era. Very few guys you can ask questions to when you know they were there. Is there, who do you think is the most recognizable voice in wrestling that's not a wrestler? Is it him? Point. Howard Finkel? Who is it? Well, it's Vince, but you could say, okay, Vince is a wrestler, maybe. Then it's you think Vince more than Mean Gene? That's a great point. Yes, I do, because I think all the public controversies involving Vince has put him to the forefront. But to specifically to a certain age group. I mean, Mean Gene is just like, yeah. I mean, it, it, your, your overall point is true. I Probably Vince, but still, Mean Gene is so indelible. It's so like, he's he's your grandpa. He's your uncle, right? Like, he's just like the guy. That he's just, it's great. It's great and to talk to. And what's always cool, been cool about him also is he's he's never, um, he doesn't have a big head. So he puts, he's, he's always allowed himself to be put in situations, whether ridiculous 
whether crude, you know, funny, lighthearted, you know, whether on WWE or WCW too. He was always willing to go along with the show. And I think there's a lot of people who don't fit that role. You know, and he did interviews during a time, of course, when it was freestyle. There's no script. Just go for it. And nobody was as good as him at playing off of a character's, you Correct. know, personality and making it, it, it better. I mean, the stuff he did with Savage, just go back and look at it, 85, 86, 87. It's just brilliant. One key on that interview, though, we, got, we had to ask him about Hogan. He says, you know, his longtime friend, Hogan deserves a second chance. We're seeing more and more people say this, right? We just saw Booker T come out publicly and say, yeah, Hulk needs to go in front of the locker room, right? We just had somebody on this show that said, what was that? Goldberg on this show said Hulk needs a chance to go in front of the locker room. feels like we're getting really close. Do you think this calendar year we see Hulk Hogan on WWE TV? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's um, I don't know about this calendar year, but he's at WrestleMania 35. Like, he's in New York. I, I don't know how, it get, I don't know how they get there. Um he's too big a part of the industry. And while what he did was awful and inexcusable, he didn't murder someone. So, and I, I'm not trying to draw equivalencies because, you know, even though that's kind of what I did, um, but there is a way to atone for what he did. Yes. And if he can, and if he can do so successfully and get the right people to buy in and back him. And by that, I mean, Booker T, Mark Henry, guys of those ilk who are willing to say, and Mark Henry even said he can speak to the locker room. I don't know that he – he didn't say put him on TV. He said let him talk to the boys. Yep. And, and that's what Goldberg said too. And if he can talk to the boys and girls and there is a consensus within the organization that this is someone whose image we want to help rehab and we want to use him as an example for other people, I think there's an opportunity there. WWE, we talked about it. They're trying to do a lot of good, and a lot of it's for marketing purposes. This is another example of something they can do to help their brand, and to help a, uh, a person who's been a big part of the industry as well. And for everything that WWE does bad with, like, tone deaf on Moolah and tone deaf on Greatest Royal Rumble, they do spin negatives into positives decently well, right? Like, Mike Kanellis had the had the uh, substance abuse issues. They were able to spin that. It's not like they're putting it on Raw, but they're doing, you know, tweets and, and dot-com videos that, that show his journey and his struggle. You know, they've done some decent stuff with Moro, too, and Moro, you know, they, they were part of this Moro documentary that Showtime's doing that's coming out next week, and and this would be a time where do a do a public service spot with Hulk and talk about essentially what he did. Talk about it, right? Like talk, have make this a conversation. Now, I'm not saying necessarily that Hulk needs to be a manager for an African American wrestler moving forward, and that oh, and God, make no, it into an angle where like Hogan's in Big E's corner and he's like <laughs> no, doing no, the prayers don't and do vitamins. <laughs> don't ruin it that way. But there is a role for Hogan in some form. I thought the way they used him his last full time year, 2015. Wasn't that bad, right? He was a judge on Tough Enough, so you used him in that regard. Also, remember that stretch in late 2014 when Cena took all those suplexes against uh, Lesnar and they did the whole Cena-Dunn angle? They'd bring Hulk into the ring on a panel. They did a lot of little thing legend moments like that where it works. They did his, his birthday celebration that time when Brock came out and busted it open and went face-to-face. -face. There's, so there's a generation that does not know wrestling without Hulk Hogan. It's a large generation, right? He has to come back in some form. But you're right. Yeah. It's got to atone. You got to do it the right way. Hey, special shout out to Gene for joining us. Check out that spot, by the way, with Kevin Hart. Very well done. We skipped over Hero or Zero you might have saw this week. Uh, this episode's already way off the rails with Nick coming back. But we did want to slide into some DMs a little bit more to hear from the people. Kentucky Long Rifle. What is that, an email? Yes, it is, Adam. And we start off from Brian Owens at Owens11B. 
He says, what do you think is the stipulation that Shinsuke Nakamura could pick that would cause the biggest letdown in his Money in the Bank <laughs> match against AJ Styles? A little negative question here from B.O. Adam, sometimes you take a, a negative spin. Why don't you start off first? What, how do they ruin this? Because they just had a SmackDown main event that wasn't that bad. It's a funny question because I thought it was – I actually didn't read the question, and I thought it was going to be like, what stipulation should they pick? Like Just like a general you know, thing. Um, the worst stipulation – would probably be a cup on a pole match Ugh. where the you know winner would be able to get the cup and put it on themselves and then oh, kick you the mean other one. Athletic supporter cup is really what you Yeah, mean. yeah, cup on the yeah, exactly. Um if that it, would be the if worst. If Vince Russo was booking the territory, yes. That would if, if Vince Russo was still booking, that would be the stipulation on this match. Uh one that would they would actually do that would be bad would probably be last man standing because the last match ended in you know, whatever you want to call that, uh, no contest, TKO, whatever, double TKO, where these guys aren't able to rise. That is how you kayfabe your way through a last man standing match without a winner. Um, in terms of what I would like to see, I'd love to see a two out of three falls, no DQ type of match, something along those lines. Um, just something where we get these two guys in the ring wrestling, because let's be honest, right? We hate, as much as the match was great on Tuesday, I say great, I mean it. I was thoroughly entertained Tuesday night. It was the fourth time, fourth time they fought in a month, month plus. It was somehow the best match of all of them, despite three of them occurring at pay-per-views. And it just showed how bad this rivalry has been booked because we haven't had the match that we want. Now, if they give us the match that we want at Money in the Bank and it's not a stupid stipulation that would ruin it, I'm okay with it in the end. They got us there. But... They got to allow us to get the four to five star match that we all are dying for because they teased us Tuesday night and I even was okay with the finish because I knew that there was another match coming. Give us the match we want. Wow, you're, yeah, that was a great take. You're right, and I agree with it completely. I think that the worst, the biggest letdown, Brian Owens, would be if we kept playing up the ball situation. If we had a knock, you know, knockout, if they, if they went back to kicking each other in the crotch, if anything crotch-related moving forward, and the reason why we don't want to, because what Adam said last week, these are two of the best wrestlers in the world, and you have them. So what's the stipulation I want? You said two out of three falls, that'd be fine. You know what I want? I want an Iron Man match. It doesn't have to be 60 minutes. I want an Iron Man match to take the focus off of the DQ negative stuff and put it back on the wrestling. One thing we haven't seen yet is the best of these two in an actual wrestling match. We've seen a strong style match. We've seen clumsy matches. Let's have, you know, we've seen no DQ matches. Let's have a real match and let it not be lost on you, Adam, that this match takes place one week or two weeks. What is it? It's uh, 12 days after Okada Omega 4 which will be a no-time-limit best-of-three-falls match, which will probably break the internet. Well, maybe not break the internet, but it'll probably be break Meltzer's scale for all we know. Why not let AJ and not go out there in a regular match, 30-minute time limit, whatever you want to make it, and just say, go try to beat that? Well, Men's Iron Man is 60 in WWE. I would love I would love for that to be the match. Try to beat that. Go, go but, try to beat that. Well, no, it's not the... Oh, you're saying, yeah. If I'm Vince, that. I'm saying yeah, that yeah, positively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying, go, guys, they just made That's his response, lines. yeah. Go try to beat that. Let them book their own match the way the, they want it. The problem is that Nakamura won the match Tuesday night, so this is going to be a heel stipulation. And that generally is not, in my re recollection, and I could definitely be wrong, something like an Iron Man match where the face picks that as the stipulation because they want to prove over an extended period of time they're the better performer. That they might get, Shinsuke might get a cheap fall, 
you know, one way or another. But in the end, AJ will prevail because he's the best and he's the Iron Man. So I would love for them to go in that direction. I don't know that they will because it's the heel making the stipulation. And that's a concern for me. BC number two here sliding into our DMs. Eric Venovich at E-V-E-J-N-O-Vich. Sure. Uh, we talked at v- briefly. At Venovich. Yeah, come on. There it is. Ivanovich, yeah, but there's a J in the name, and I, I didn't pronounce it the first time, so whatever. All right, that's his name. Um, last week, we briefly discussed Bret Hart to the, to the point that most of the DMs I got after the show were, I really want to hear you guys talk about Bret Hart. So we're not going to give him <laughs> a 30-minute conversation, but he brought this in. On Bret Hart, do we think he's top five in the world all time in terms of in-ring ability and top 20 importance to WWE? What do you think, BC? Well, anybody that that used to listen to me on Cheap Heat in the great Bret Hart debate, parts one and two, which you can still find in the archives there, know my take on this. But to repeat for anybody that doesn't, yes, I think I'm a Shawn Michaels guy compared to Bret Hart. I think Bret Hart is vastly overrated in the overall sum of pro wrestling history. Do I think he's a phenomenal worker? Yes. Do I love his four, five, six amazing five-star-ish matches? Of course I do. Is he, a, you know... Second generation guy, all about grit, everything we would want out of a realistic fight. Yes, all those things. It's also really overrated, guys. And when I did that great debate, I came to this conclusion that he's about the 15th or 16th greatest wrestler in the modern era. Modern era beginning with the launch of WrestleMania. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. That puts him on the same level as guys like Kurt Angle, guys like Chris Jericho, guys like Edge. Because I know we love so many wrestlers that we want to go, well, that guy's definitely top 10. There's only 10 spots on the top 10, people. And that was my debate back in the day, and that's my debate now. Bret Hart was on top in the worst stretch in WWE history. When he left, it ushered in the best stretch in WWE history. He went to WCW at a time when they were beating WWE. What happened next? The company went under. You do the math, okay? And for anybody who wants more on this topic, I got to shout out Eric Bischoff's new podcast with Conrad Thompson called 83 Weeks. Shout out to our listener, Derek Zhu, who DM'd me and was like, dude, you need to listen to this right now. The Bret Hart episode is fantastic. It's a lot of inside stuff. And anybody who follows Dave Meltzer on Twitter knows that Dave Meltzer and Eric Bischoff are now in a war over this podcast. It was fantastic. If you're an anti-Bret Hart guy, listen to that. So I haven't listened to that podcast, but apparently a lot of what Bischoff said is easily verifiable as not true, (laughs) you know, just in history and stuff that we know just from watching wrestling and following it closely back in the Attitude Era. So go ahead and listen to the podcast. But I'm just giving you a little bit of caution that maybe go either check his facts or or know the story. And yes, listen to Dave Meltzer on this because Dave and Brett, like Brett has said in his own book that what Dave said about him is true. So I don't know what you need more than that than coming directly from Bret Hart. Um, Before I give my opinion on Bret Hart, very happy he's healthy. Obviously, he had a health scare uh, within the last year. He's bounced back from that. Good to know. Hope to see him back in WWE somehow. You know, he was on and off TV a little bit for a while. It was nice to see him. Every single thing you said about Bret Hart is true. That's really the easiest way I can put it. Do I think he's top five in-ring technician of all time? No. Do I think he's top 20 uh, wrestler of all time in terms of importance to the industry? Yes, because like you said, BC, he was on top of WWE for an extended stretch of time during that new generation era. But it was also the worst stretch in WWE history. And his the best thing he did was get Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin over. 
the guys that are in the top 10 of all time. Shawn Michaels, my number one wrestler all time. It's going to be very difficult to ever top that because of what he did in the ring, on the mic. His charisma was incredible and how he changed the business with the click. Okay. You may not like them. You don't have to like them, but they did it. Um, so with Bret Hart, yeah, he's overrated. Like I enjoyed what he did in the ring. He's perfect in that 16 to 20 range that you have him because he's important enough that he needs to be recognized, but not important enough or good enough where he needs to be in that top five, top 10 range. And anyone that tells me he's in their top five, you're insane. And if he's in your top 10, I'll at least accept your argument. But for me, he's not even honorable mention. He's insanely bitter in every interview and blames everybody. So it doesn't like endear him or help him. And he always wears hockey jerseys, which is so lame with jorts. The guy's lame. We got to be honest <laughs> with it. All right. Did he have incredible matches? Yes. Is he at least 50% responsible with Michaels for ushering in an era where guys his size could win the WWF heavyweight championship? Yes. But did that era also come? because the company was under steroid allegations, so they needed non-muscular guys on top. Yes, it was. And I think a lot of people forget. I think a lot of people forget that. Just because you liked Bret Hart when you were a kid and he was made for you, kind of like John Cena when he had the non-rapper turn, you know, and he became just the good guy face and all-American dude. If you're a kid at that age and you grew up with John Cena as the big face of WWE, you're going to be hard-pressed for anyone to tell you he's not top five all time, even though we know in terms of importance to the company he is, but in terms of in-ring ability and all these other things, he's not, right? With Bret Hart, imagine that, but like two levels lower. And, and that's what Bret Hart is. It's not to, it's not to be mean to him. Uh, it's not to be man, mean to people that are his fans. It's just to say you need to take his career in actual perspective. And when you do it, and you look at the totality of WWE and guys like Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, Macho Man, Steve Austin, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels. I'm not, I didn't even write a list down. That's just off the top of my head. He doesn't come close to those guys. He's, to me, he's basically Kurt Henning, but he got an opportunity to win the big title. And Kurt did. Yes. Like, and that's no disrespect. Kurt Henning is an all-timer. But that basically says, even though Brett did well with the big belt and was an acceptable big belt champion, to me, He's always an IC guy, and he's a great all-timer IC guy, and that's just the way it is. If you, you can't put be... the letter S in front of Hitman, you've had my exact opinion of Bret Hart. Wow, wow. You can't, BC, to put it simply, you can't be top five, top ten all-time if you're a B-side, and he's a B-side. That, wow. That, so that, that was, you basically just re said my words from a couple of years ago. Yes, that is intelligent. That is perfect. That's exactly it. That's why there's only ten spots in the top ten. They don't get other people over. They get over, right? Is that No idea what that means, but I love that. Hey, number three on the DM slides this week from Thanos Backland at TalkBox. We love this guy, Bob Backland. I look forward to you guys fantasy booking Bobby Lashley's sisters on this week's podcast. Ayo, uh, Adam, I don't really want this question. What do you got going on this week for the <laughs> I refuse. I refuse. Um, Lashley's. I will say, and we, and we gave this caveat on last week's episode. We said, if they are doing something more with his sisters than just this terrible interview. Okay, we'll give them a little bit of a break and we'll see where it goes. So, okay, I'll give them a little bit of a break and see where it goes. It doesn't change that the interview last week was one of the worst. It was the worst thing I've ever seen on WWE TV. I'll repeat it, worse than Katie Vick. But I'm at least willing to say Sami Zayn can work a mic. 
put give him the opportunity to do what we've seen done with Chris Jericho and with The Rock. He doesn't live up to those guys, but to take a segment that we think is going to be terrible yes. and make it into something great. And if Sami Zayn's able to do that next week, I'll at least be understanding. You have to be fearful that it's going to be a Bailey Alexa Bliss this is your life type train wreck. Yes. Right? It's giving that, you those yes. feels, right? Uh, well, that's, the assum- that's the assumption, but I'm willing to say, show me. I mean, are these going to be actual characters? Are these going to be like the Funkadelics here? I mean, what do we got? What do we got going on here? I don't know. The, the, oh, anyway, the this t- kind of plays into what's going on with Sami Zayn, which kind of plays into what's going on with Kevin Owens and Kurt Angle. And I have to say, I thought Raw was very vanilla this week. I thought the best part though was the KO Kurt Angle sort of feud that escalated with KO using that, you know, pulling the the Stephanie McMahon card and getting KO and getting uh, Kurt Angle to bend, and that got KO back in the Money in the Bank match. And you know what? I pop for that. I pop for Sami Zayn costing Bobby Lashley so KO can be in there. I think what they're doing there is intelligent. It's really interesting. I'm also willing to let that play out. I think it's strange that Stephanie's so welcoming of KO and Sami and after KO literally busted open her father uh, on SmackDown, which was the whole genesis for that rivalry. Um, I do like that Stephanie has not been on TV since being tapped out by Ronda, and she's almost using KO as her surrogate to, like, to needle Kurt Angle, who beat her in that match. So they're continuing the storyline and not just allowing, you know, Angle and Ronda to get one over on Stephanie and just let it go. So I do like all of that. I just don't know what the end result is when, you know, unless it's going to be Angle losing his job in a match against KO, and that that's what happens and he's gone as GM and either Triple H comes in or someone else takes that job. I'm not sure where they're going with it, but that's why we watch. A storyline that we may not love, but we're engaged, it's interesting, and I'm willing to see how it plays out. It's not, this is not hard to book, and this is perfectly fine. Like, there's no animosity here. You know, we've spent the last couple of weeks saying everything WWE is doing is terrible. This is not terrible. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I think that's a compliment. Like, to say it's not terrible is almost a compliment these days. Well, we're pushing five hours on this show, so that'll wrap up the DMs this week. We did have some others we want to get to. We will get to the future, but keep sliding on in at B Campbell CBS at Silverstein Adam. Hey, shout us out on Twitter at in this corner CBS Adam. We always close by putting our hands right into the middle of that field spot. What popped us this week? And for me, it was last week's episode of NXT last Wednesday when the show started with Ricochet cutting a babyface promo and Velveteen Dream walking in on him. It didn't end in violence, but it almost did. And I do want to kind of just drop a little caveat and say it wasn't perfect. When Velveteen dropped down, it almost looked like he slipped. It was a little clunky. I thought Ricochet's first chance to really shine on the mic showed us that he's not a superhero on the mic. He's got room to grow. But the idea of these two at this point in their careers and rises having a feud in NXT, it's just like the one Velveteen came off with with Aleister Black. I have these just feels that this is going to be something truly special. What the heck is it going to look like in the ring? Like, what the heck are these two going to be able to do with each other, against each other, for each other, for the business, brother? I am so damn fired up. What I love about it is they teased it in the ladder match like I expected they would that we talked about in our pre-show before TakeOver New Orleans. And they didn't wait. They just went right to it. They said, the fans want this match. We're going to give it to them. It's the opposite of what WWE does. It, it's the exact opposite. The fans said, our dream match is Ricochet, um, Velveteen Dream. And Triple H goes, okay, here you go. <laughs> it was a really good segment. Uh, Ricochet's not good on the mic. Like, 
for Velveteen Dream to be 22 and be that much better on the mic than Ricochet, who's been in the industry for a while, it just goes to show like the guy needs to improve there. Um, so there's a, it's really good that he's in NXT doing that. At the same time, um, I'm excited for the match, and I don't know that there's anything I'm looking more forward to on this NXT TakeOver Chicago card ahead of Money in the Bank than that. Yeah. Because I don't think any other match – I mean, Gargano Ciampa is going to be great, but that's the match, right? That's it. That's the one. That, that. Okay. We're going to stay with NXT, and we will start talking NXT uh, in the main event in Hero and Zero once they get moving along with their storylines because we don't want to spoil anything you know, for anyone with the tapings. But mine's NXT as well, and it has nothing to do with pro wrestling in the ring or on the show. Undisputed Era this week almost had a photo shoot with WWE social media where they were all laying out by a pool. Uh, I think it was in Ocala or somewhere in Florida using their belts as um, tanning equipment, basically, like you would like a, a sunshade, okay? It's like holding it under their necks, posing with them by the pool. They've cut multiple NWO-style promos, selfie-style, though, because it's obviously WWE, that they put on social media. The guys are relaxed. They get the gimmick. They totally understand what they're doing as a faction. This is a faction. It's real. It's happening in NXT. I couldn't be more over the, mu the moon about it. Their music's incredible. Their logo has completely grown on me. I still hate the name, but I'm okay. I'm willing to ignore that because everything they are doing is hitting every potential feel spot mark that one could have. My second feel spot, real quick. Whoa, I don't know. I have to do two because you're going to agree with this one. I don't know what the hell WWE is doing, but Lana looks amazing. She has... If she was a nine, she's now a 10. And I don't judge women like that. Wow. But holy crap, the way she has looked on TV the last three weeks, it's mind-blowing. we're three hours fact, into this show. No girls are left listening to this at this point, all right? Oh, yeah, it's true. This is the end of the show anyway. Um, she's looked amazing. I love what they're doing with her and Rusev. Double feel spot Lana. Wow, I don't, I don't want to know which field spot you're referring to on that one. But that wraps another great show. We, we agreed. We disagreed. We, you know, we were man to man. We agreed to disagree. We have a fight. We have an adult beverage. Whatever. Right. Man to man. That's how men do it. Mano y mano. Okay. That's how, that's how men do it. So that's what we did it. <laughs> Shout out to special thanks to me, Gene Oakland, for joining us. And CBS Sports HQ's own Nick Costos. But until then, you know how we always like to end the broadcast. Goodbye and good night. Back. We out.